Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 89 of the Avocado Gamescast, the gaming podcast that refuses to drop its awkward legacy capitalization scheme. <laughs> I am Merv, and today I'm here with podcast editor, The Kappa. How are you doing? Good. 89, we're getting there. Yeah, we're... 11 I, more? I think we might actually hit 100 this year. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's been, like, we've been doing this since, what, 2016? Yeah. And now it's 2023? It's been like seven years of this almost now seven years of being wrong about lots of stuff. <laughs> this is actually the first year that i actually went back and documented uh how well we did on our predictions from last year yeah and now we're the reckoning is here we're just gonna see yeah. how bad we are looking into our crystal balls i, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty optimistic on mine we'll see <laughs> like i i know you did better than i did <laughs> So seeing as this is the first episode of recording in 2023, what I thought we'd do today is we'd spend most of the episode, or not most, just a part of the episode, making predictions for the year ahead in the games industry. And we're also going to share the games, hardware, peripherals, I don't know, we're not picky, uh, that we're looking forward to this year. Uh, this episode's actually probably going to come out in early February, so a couple of the year's biggest releases, namely... Forspoken and Fire Emblem Engage will already be out by then. In fact, we're recording this on the 22nd of January, and Engage came out two days ago. But we do have to, uh, we do hope to have this out in early February, just before the big deluge of games this spring. So if you want to use this episode as a sort of hype guide, you know, please be our guest. But before we get to any of that, Kappa, I have a question for you. Oh, no. All right, go ahead. Have you ever had an epiphany that was yeah. just like really, really obvious in retrospect? I have. I have indeed. Like, you're sitting there thinking, oh, wow, I can do that. Why did I think of that like five years ago? <laughs> so I go to the library pretty often. I wouldn't say I'm like a, like a regular library goer. It goes like every week. But, you know, I, I borrow books every now and then, right? Like it's definitely a resource in my city that I use. Uh, I've also known for a while that the library has a big media collection, including a big games collection. And I've seen it. Like every time I go to the library, I walk past that shelf with the video games on it. And then last weekend, I finally put two and two together. And I was like... I go to the library, and the library has video games. Yeah. I can borrow video games from the library. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've known. Is, my wife works at a library. This would be even easier for me. <laughs> I could just be like, come on with this game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like that resource is there. And the lucky thing about my library system is that it's the same loan period as for books. So it's a three-week <laughs> loan, which is enough to complete a video game it's not like we used to rent it from blockbusters or rogers video back in the day and you'd yeah. have just like a weekend to do it now yeah i can take three weeks with the game that i just bought from the library which is black sad under the skin have you heard of this one no uh so this is the game that came out a few years is ago an anime thing black sad sounds very anime to me it is not anime it is oh. comics it is based off uh French comic by Spanish authors uh, called Black Sad. Uh, it's very much not an anime thing, but it is uh, kind of a noir mystery series 
that's what the that's the comic is based off of this post World War II noir kind of setting. Uh, it's set in New York. Uh, think of it like it's almost like LA noir, but in New York instead of in LA. Uh, okay. The one distinguishing feature of this uh, franchise is that the characters, instead of being humans, are anthropomorphic animals. So everyone's like a cat, a dog, oh, okay, a panda, right. etc. There's been a few of these lately. Um, there was the one where the fox detective, kind of like in a grimy noir city. I'm trying to think of what it was. There's been a few of these, though, right? Anthropomorph- anthropomorphic. <laughs> anthropomorphic. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know the specific game you're referencing, but it's definitely become... Backbone, that's it. That's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. it. That's the one I think is set in like I think it was developed in Vancouver. I don't know if it's set in Vancouver, but yeah, that is. It's kind of along those lines. Uh, okay. But set in I think the late forties, early fifties, instead of uh, in the near future. Mm-hmm. And so, the basic mystery at the center of this game is that uh, one of your friends frequents a boxing gym. And the owner of that boxing gym is found dead by apparent suicide. So, and his protege is missing. So you're hired by uh, the now de- deceased owner's daughter to investigate. And this ends up taking you on a journey that involves the mafia and organized crime, accusations of infidelity, like all your typical war kind of stuff. Um, I think the plot is actually, I'm about halfway through, is pretty well constructed. It's a mystery that I'm genuinely interested in seeing more of. It's okay. a mystery that I actually want to solve. Like, you know, sometimes you play these mystery games, you read a mystery story, and like, I don't care who did it. Yeah, I'm, that's a good point. There's a lot of mystery games where it's just like, you know, yeah, you got to get me interested in the, the mystery part of it first, right? <laughs> so. Exactly. And this is a game where the mystery is actually compelling. It's well-constructed. The clues that you have to piece together to advance the story um, are logically coherent. This is is an adventure game, but it doesn't have that crappy adventure game design where you're just like sticking together unrelated inventory items. Sometimes, and this is a gripe I have with it, it's unclear what you have to do to progress, but I would say it really runs on adventure game logic. Um, really the big problem with this game is the technical issues it's published by uh, Miklid, the like the French video game publisher that doesn't really have a good reputation for technically sound releases <laughs> um, so like this is on PS4 it has it doesn't look much more high fidelity than a PS3 game but the performance is like bafflingly poor just like frame rate drops to 10 frames per second pretty often. Um, it There's like stuttering uh, as you go through the levels. The controls are just awful. Like we figured out how to move around a third person in 3D like 20 years ago, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how it's so hard to control this character. It doesn't make any sense. It's like... It's like pushing a rope. That's what it feels like, trying to control the titular character, Black Sad. Um, 
the other main frustration I have is a lot of QTEs inst- and insta-fail dialogue choices. Uh, not really what I'm looking for when I'm playing this kind of game. Uh, otherwise, on the whole, pretty interesting. One other thing I'm going to note about it, and I think it's really weird and clumsy, and I wish it wasn't in the game. Um, so all the characters are, like I said, anthropomorphic animals, right? Right. Uh, but it also is ostensibly like set in the real world. It just happens to have everyone being anthropomorphic. Um, so it has real-world racial identities in it, too. So like, Ooh, Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's, it's like never, it's always hard to balance, you know. Like it's it's not a one for one. What's that movie? Bright. Remember that one? Bright's the one with the is it like the Forks zombies? And, uh, oh, no, that, like the Will Smith cops. movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a very fine line to walk. I think whenever you try to make those types of real world analogies to, you yeah, know what I mean. So this tries to get around that by not having the analogy, right? So it has. Yeah the real world racial identity. So it's like, there are some dogs, but there are some black dogs, right? Mm. So like there are like actual racial slurs in the game that people get wow. called because it's like, you know, the dynamics of racial dynamics of 1940s America, where we're still not so much in, in the North, but at least in the South, we're still in the era of segregation uh, and people in New York reference segregation of the South. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, it has stuff like that. Like there's a, there's a Chinatown in the game and you're meeting with like members of Chinese organized crime. Um, so it's weird that they have like actual racial discrimination and also stereotypes about the various animals that people are. It's kind of like, pick one or the other right yeah yeah because yeah which 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 bad light are you viewing them (laughs) like either have the analogy and own it or just make everyone human like i guess at that point you're just making la noir but this is really awkward and i don't think it works yeah that's that's like i said that's a really hard one for me to to kind of say like this would be a good idea unless you really nail I mean, like the social commentary you're going for, but I don't think that's going to be a French indie developer who's, you know what I mean? Who kind of figures it out. <laughs> like, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think if, if you're trying to do that, if you're not going to say anything interesting and the, the mystery is going to at least be cool, stick with the mystery and just let people's, you know, own actions speak for themselves, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, hey, he's a bad guy because he, he did this, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, Pentiment was able to make everybody feel like a bad guy and a good guy at the same time, right? So, Yeah, I think it's doable to... Like, I think you could eschew this stuff entirely if you want. Like, you could still make this noir video game that doesn't reference those social dynamics. Um, I think for the particular story it wants to tell, it does need some version of those social dynamics. It's Mm -hmm. just, like... It's not, it's very conspicuously almost like, like the anthropomorphic qualities of these animals almost obscures the racial identity that it attributes to them. So like you'll be playing the game and then all of a sudden it'll come up like, oh, that gorilla is black. And you're like, 
how I, I didn't guess that he was black. He looks like a gorilla. Like, how yeah. am I supposed to attribute a racial identity to that guy? And then, like, you're told that guy is black or that guy is uh, Latino, etc. Like, you 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 have to be told that, um, which you know, in and of itself, might be a common like a commentary on how racial categorizations are like kind of artificial. Yeah, like I get that, but it doesn't work it doesn't work when like the whole concept of of race is like a a visible class of separation not that you should treat anybody differently based on those characteristics but like the whole that whole idea it just it doesn't hit when the game has to tell you what racial category everyone belongs to yeah because it's telling you to look at this and then like even if it surprises you and goes against your thing it's or against your presuppositions it's going against that because it gave you that supposition in the first place right like, like otherwise it, you never would even have thought of it like i was so surprised like i didn't i thought this game was going to sidestep racial issues entirely mm-hmm. until i like there's a subplot where you walk into a locker room and you see a racial slur spray painted on one of the lockers and you're like Oh, I didn't realize race was a thing in this game. I thought yeah. it's all going to be like the dogs are like this, and the cats are like this, and the reptiles are like this. And it's like, no, there's real world race. Because like, I think about like Zootopia, right? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's tough too to like work against racism when at the same time it's like, well, yeah, these things eat us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's a little bit of a like, you know, you know, like because. They try to like have the whole carnivore versus herbivore thing in that, and it, it works a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. Like, do you just ignore that part of the very real aspect of the animal to make the connection you're trying to make? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I, so I think these analogies tend to kind of fall flat in their face. Like, especially you're right with Zootopia, and then if you want to go more adult with that, some like Beast Stars, it. Like there's always that that little bit of awkwardness where you're like, well, this doesn't map one to one. Right, right. Like I can yeah. understand why a bunny would be afraid of a fox, right? Like yeah, it, it makes a little more sense. You're not one to oneing it, right? So yeah. Whereas yeah. real world racial categories, that's just like, well, if you believe that, you're an asshole, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's like that's why it, it just feels like it doesn't fit. Um, anyway, other than that, I'm, other than that and the horrendous technical issues, I think there's a decent game here buried. I was going to say under the skin, but like, I didn't want to go for the pun. (laughs) Um, Now now it's there. It's out there. Uh, what did, what did you play over the winter holidays? Oh, I mean, a lot of the old staples, you know, of course those holiday times are always a good catch up, but I bought my dad an Xbox, um, Oh, nice. And so, yeah. And, you know, he's he's older, uh, kind of got a little bit of arthritis and stuff. So he was basically looking for, you know, four or five games he could really just kind of get into and no, weren't too complicated for him. Stuff he thinks he could figure it out. So um, played a bunch of Peggle, uh, obviously, with him. That's always like my classic, like get you into the game. He's always been a big baseball fan. So we kind of did uh, MLB The Show, just cranked everything down as far as the difficulties and stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. And, you know, he just likes to kind of go into, like, the practice mode, batting mode or whatever, just, you know, crank home runners. So um, we did a bunch of that, just kind of like playing games that my dad, we've been, I've been going down there a couple of days um, 
past couple weeks just hanging out with him. For my own, I've been putting a lot of time in Lord of the Rings Online still. I, I kind of thought this would be like um, I'll get my MMO fix and be done, but I, it's really kind of sinking its hooks in. Um, oh man, that always happens. Yeah, it's dangerous. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of the stuff I, a lot of the reasons I quit the game have really been dealt with. It's a very in its spot, frozen in time MMO in some ways, but also it's got just enough quality of life stuff um, and a really good free to play model. Honestly, I mean, like if I was paying for this, I'd probably be more annoyed with some of this stuff. But when I'm doing all this uh, under a free to play model, I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just I've I've been appreciating what they fix in the game because MMOs are not easy to fix. Um, I know Final Fantasy XIV managed to pull it, but that's basically a, an entirely different game, you know. Um, but it's rare that like you get a studio who sees, hey, these are the mistakes we're making, or this is where you know kind of like things are going. Um, and they've had a complex development. I when I quit Lord of the Rings Online, I think they were owned by Turbine. And Turbine sold them off to Standing Stone Games. I've never even heard of them before, you know. Um, but seeing like they've kind of kept up with the development, everything is really shocking, and in a good way because a lot of it would just be let's just pump the money, you know, until everybody quits. And who cares? It's expensive to run servers. It's not expensive to nickel and dime 500 diehards, you know. Um, so yeah, pleasantly surprised with you know it sticking around. Played a lot of Destiny with my buddies. Um, and then I picked up a game. I don't even know why I did it. Um, Battlefield 2042. Uh, just, you know, one of those like, hey, let's see where this is at. Heard good things. Was that the things. one that uh, was a train wreck when it came yeah, out? Yeah, absolutely a train wreck. Yeah. So, but, I've, you know, I've heard, hey, they've had a couple patches. There's a couple, you know, things that are going on. It's more or less fixed. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, one, I played a lot of bot matches to try to, like, kind of get into it, right? Um, bot matches feel pretty fun. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, but obviously you're just, you know, comp stomping. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to just jump in with no weapons unlocked or anything else like that. So I spent a little time in there and it felt good enough. The shooting feels really good. Um, the vehicles feel like oddly flimsy. Like I, I rarely do I feel like in a battlefield game that I'm more vulnerable in a vehicle than I am on foot. But nope, I definitely felt that with this game. Like every vehicle felt like a death trap. Um, it feels is, like it might be overcompensating for the balance issues they had in the older Battlefield games, yeah. where once you got in a vehicle, you were basically invincible. Yeah, unkillable, right, exactly. So this one, I feel like they, they've gotten away from that. The biggest mistake is just kind of locking people down to these hero classes. It's such an odd fit for this game to have hero classes, because um, there's a lot of times where it was like, man, I just would like to switch, you know, like this one piece of my kit or this or that, but like I, I'm almost like, well, I just basically need to change my whole person, you know, because they've already got this built into their kit, and then it frees up a slot. Like for example, there's one character who comes with um, a guided anti-tank missile, right? Now, right, that's a really cool ability that constantly reloads, and you get basically unlimited shots that you just need to wait time-wise, right? That's a really strong character. So if you're having, you know, to deal with a bunch of tanks on a map, I don't know why you wouldn't play with that character and instead would pick a not as anti-vehicle character, but give yourself the anti-vehicle weapon, right? Like the bazooka or whatever, you know? Um, so it just seems so shoehorned class to ability. Um, and then, you know, like, hey, I'm going to be a sniper. Well, or I pick up a cool gun and I'm going to try to use this. Well, I'm not a guy who can really use the sniper rifle to the best ability. So 
you know, it's just kind of it's really weird the way it sets about kind of delineating what you can do and what you can do it with. Um, I, I don't think it's a good fit for the series. I'm betting it doesn't make a comeback in whatever comes next. I think it's been pretty poorly received, but um, comp stompings are fun. You know, it's still fun to play against the bots. I jump into a couple quick matches. Um, you know, they've got a lot of those. Uh, it used to be Metro in Battlefield. Or um, <laughs> where it was just like an infantry grinder mode, you know, no vehicles, oh, okay. no nothing. And they've got a couple maps like that. And I think that was smart. The map development on Battlefield is always really good. I mean, I know a lot of people don't talk about that, but I really feel like the way they've done it now with this breakthrough thing, right, where you kind of have, has to, have to push the enemy back into increasingly harder or easier defense points, right? Um, really well done. The maps feel very good to me they don't do as much with the levolution stuff as they had in the past but um i really enjoyed the maps way more than I've, I've heard anybody else talk about it but so a little bit of casual stuff with my dad some lord of the rings online and a bunch of battlefield it's been kind of my my holidays that's nice um i'm actually glad to hear that they've cleaned up battlefield 2042 a bit because when it came out a lot of things that you uh, are talking about now were like broken in the game. Yeah. People really did not like the levels uh, when they first rolled out. I think they must have touched them up a bit. Yeah, they did, and I, I think what what they did is they kind of flipped. I mean, it's so so easy to flip some of the stuff like this thing. If you move this thing ten feet to here or give this thing a little bit more cover, it feels more intuitive to take it. Um, on the on the mode, I feel like it was very slanted towards the defenders, which would be frustrating when you'd be paying, playing and not seeing the whole map. Um, but just by doing certain things and even adding some of those people I was complaining about, those, you know, those operatives or whatever they call them, having some more with some different abilities that are way more defensive in nature, I think was really smart. Um, uh, because now the, offen the offensive guys, when they capture something, they have a little bit of ability to hold it. They're not so locked into the defenders. Um, and it's, it's getting there. I don't know if it's quite there yet. You know, I don't know if it's going to see some kind of resurgence. I feel like it's almost too late. Um, but, you know, since it's on Game Pass, might as well. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, if you're not, if you're already paid for it, yeah. might as well give it a go. Yeah. So that's been kind of my holidays. A lot of TV and movies, too. But gaming-wise, kind of some of the old standards. Uh, yeah, we will talk about TV and movies in a second. Uh, but... One other game that I wanted to mention that I've also been playing is Sports Story, mm -hmm. which I guess most of our listeners will have heard by now is a disappointment. And it is a disappointment. Don't get me wrong. This is not a very good game. Uh, but I don't think it's as bad as... like it's, I think it's sitting at a sub-60 on Metacritic right now, Ooh, something yeah. like a 58. Like Let's just look this up right now because it is it did not review well. Uh, sports story is currently sitting at a 57 on Metacritic. Wow. That is horrendous bomb level. Yeah. That is like Sonic game level. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's 57 bad, but it's not great. Um, so, and let me put it this way. It's disappointing and not great, but not so bad that I've, shelved it or really really wanted to put it down um so this is the sequel to golf story right golf story was a fantastic game uh 
also had a lot of technical issues like sports story, but the gameplay loop in that game was fun. Uh, it was really funny and the course design, like you were constantly playing golf and doing fun things with golf. Um, in this game, it's not just golf. It's all of the sports, every single sport. Yeah. Any sport. I can see why they get overwhelming too. And it does get overwhelming, but not just overwhelming. Like the golf mechanics, like the three click system and dealing with mm-hmm. the terrain and the wind and the different clubs was so well thought out in the first game. And they've transferred all that over here. So every time you're playing golf, it's great. But every single other sport is half-assed. Mm-hmm. Like cricket sucks. Fishing is terrible. Yeah, The little bit of soccer I've played is not good. Cycling is really beholden to that. Like, you know, that old school, you know, like you remember like old school, like SNES controllers had two buttons, like yeah, there's an A and a B. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, awful. but like you, you only had one thumb to control that with. Yeah. So it's doing a lot of those things where it's like, you know, move your thumb to move between A and B, and it's like, we have shoulder buttons yeah, now. Yeah. Why are you doing this? <laughs> this is stupid. You know what? That was such a popular thing in like old, like you're saying, like Nintendo era sports games. And it doesn't feel intuitive. It doesn't feel natural. It never felt like this is how I ride a bike. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it just felt like mash things. The faster you mash, the faster you go. I never liked that setup. Um, It was something I was glad that had died. And I can't believe anybody might've been feeling nostalgic for that. You know? Yeah. Like, I know that Nintendo games tend to have this kind of reverence and nostalgia. Uh, like if you play, say, Super Mario Maker, it's mm-hmm. it transfers that exact control scheme over, right? Where you have to sometimes like hold both the A and the B, and you're kind of like awkwardly moving your thumb around, right? To to like press two buttons at once, or like press one but not the other. Uh, so I get what they're referencing it's just it's a nostalgia thing it's yeah. objectively worse than uh, like having one of those functionalities on a shoulder button and one of those functionalities on a face button yeah so i don't know why they do it here uh, anyway um also I, I, the... no, I, I see what you mean it's really tough for me to to, to say is this nostalgia this bad game design right and I just have to say, like, me personally, I was never nostalgic for a lot of those old-school Nintendo uh, controller designs. It just it felt like they did it because they had to, you know? Um, right, and, like, I respect what it was for the time. I'm not going to say, wow, they were really stupid back when they made the NES. <laughs> but, but they think of more buttons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But now we have, like, a standard-ish controller design. It works decently well. People are familiar with it. And we have shoulder buttons, which are great. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's any mandate or, like, hints or anything with Switch where they're saying, hey, make games that can use the little half a controller that you can technically use that I don't think anybody uses? Uh, I don't think this would... um, Like, I think this game is really meant to be played... Uh, with uh, two Joy-Cons. Okay. Because otherwise you wouldn't... Like, uh, when you're playing the golf parts of the game, 
aiming and shaping the shot are on separate thumbsticks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you do that on a single Joy-Con. Okay. Um, I'm just curious because, I mean, I haven't seen many games that take advantage of that or, you know, but I wonder if someone somewhere was like, hey, we can make this work. This can be the game that does it, you know? It's mostly first-party stuff, mm-hmm. and it's decently implemented on first-party yeah. stuff. Like, I've tried it with, uh, like, with the... Uh, Super Mario Odyssey for a little bit, and it works decently well. It's not great, but it gets the job done. Um, also, like other problems with this game, the pacing is really glacial, and the level design is like every map is a maze and it doesn't need to be. Ooh, yeah. Um, I will say to the for the positive, this the game's like moment to moment dialogue is still like that dry humor they had in Golf Story that's really, yeah, really I was great. Gonna say, it seemed like the, the biggest thing you liked about Golf Story was kind of the charming world and a kind of sense of humor. So, I mean, any of that still there? Yeah. So all of that is still there, except for now there's no coherent narrative arc. It's just mm. random stuff happens. And it's funny, but it's random. Yeah. Like There's no broader story that makes sense. Um, like I, I, I wrote down the agenda. There's a lot of good stuff here. It's just strung together really poorly. Yeah. And I wish, like, I don't think more time in the oven would have uh, fixed this game. It's got a direction thing. Like, the direction is fundamentally wrong. I think they should have cut it down to, like, maybe three sports. So the, the only fun sports of this are golf and tennis. So maybe yeah. golf, develop tennis a little bit further. Because I think the bones of a good tennis sim are there. It's just not all the way there. And maybe one more sport, like maybe like fix fishing or fix cycling. Yeah, fishing seems like it'd be so easy to do. <laughs> like it's usually, you know, even I like complicated it, fishing games are usually two, three button timing based. You know, there's usually like the bones are there. The game just doesn't explain how the fishing works. Um, like it literally just does not explain the mechanics to you, which is ridiculous. So you're saying though that this the 50s that it's getting are a little too extreme, but it's also got a few problems. Well, okay, here's what I'd say. I don't begrudge any reviewer their individual like three or four out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but a game of this caliber usually doesn't score that low across the board. Right, right. Like you'd get a couple of threes and fours, and then you'd have a lot more. You'd have a lot more seven out of Maybe tens. like golf uh, Golf uh, was so successful that it kind of set them up to be reviewed a little harder than your average kind of fun, goofy yeah. sports game would be. Because Golf was Story so was better. Yeah. Golf Story was so good. Like it was honestly one of the best games in the Switch's launch year. And to follow it up with this mess, yeah, that those threes and fours aren't like threes and fours of. Uh, of like anger, there are threes and fours of disappointment. Yeah, I got you. I mean, but so much of Switch's catalog seems to be up and down like that too. You know what I mean? Like all the first party stuff excluded, right? You know, which always does outstanding, but it does seem like they've been having trouble getting consistent support from some of those third parties, right? Yeah, like even last year, Sparks of Hope reviewed well, but it didn't sell well. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, third party support, it's usually been. Let's be frank, 
lazy ports. Yeah. Like even games that are not super high fidelity just run like crap, mm-hmm. which is weird because every, let's say 25% of ports run really well. And those games are not any more complicated than the games that run poorly. Right. So right. I think it's, it's not a just a complication thing or like, a, yeah. Like I know we keep hearing, you know, the switch is long in the tooth. Uh, a lot of people in Gaze Weed are like, oh, I really, really want to switch too. Yeah. And to some extent, I think that's kind of concern trolling because like, if all you want to do is play first party and indie stuff, the console should be able to handle that. Yeah. And it's demonstrably been able to handle that for a lot of indies. So the indies that don't get ported well, like at a certain point that's on the hardware, that's on the devs not yeah, being able to optimize you do, though, properly. It, you, you do see scenarios where it's like, you know, PlayStation or Microsoft or whatever, they'll, they'll put somebody in a development studio and say, this is how you make this work on an Xbox, right? Yeah. And I don't know how much of that is or isn't happening with Nintendo. I don't think anybody knows, right? But I think that was like always kind of that big step forward. I mean, especially even PC gaming, you know, once NVIDIA started putting people into dev teams and saying, yeah, we can make this work. Here's what you would do. You started to seeing games come out way more optimized, um, you know, than than other other generations but i think it was by just having that liaison or that person who could make it work um and i don't i don't know if that's happened with nintendo i don't know if they need it to at this point it kind of seems you know like they're, they're too popular to have yeah. it yeah. yeah i don't know whether they're doing that or how good their indie liaison outreach stuff is like the stories are here are all across the board from nintendo is a fantastic partner to work with to God, I can't even get a hold of my yeah. contact. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I assume the reality is all of those things. Yeah. And it really, it's really idiosyncratic. It depends on the studio you are, your contact, yeah. and like even what country you're developing in. Yeah, that's true. So it's really hard for me to tell. All I know is that I play some games on Switch and they run like a dream. And I play <laughs> others and I'm just like... Do yeah. you know how to program? <laughs> and it's tough, though, because you have to look at every single game, right? Like, if it's anywhere else, like, is this the, the right platform? It almost never is, but I would love to have that option to play a lot of more games on Switch because I haven't. I just don't use it for anything. I'm just being honest, you know? I'll play the, the big Nintendo games when they come out, but I'm not playing anything else on it for the most part, you know? Yeah, I generally... I'll play... Sometimes I will choose to play an indie on Switch just because I want to play it lying in bed. Yeah. But for the most part... I buy most of my games on PC. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I don't even buy games on my PS4 anymore. Like, the, I haven't like literally just like not used my PS4 for gaming for two years. Yeah, mine's a Netflix box. And yeah, mine is a Netflix box. Basically, I use it for streaming Netflix and Crunchyroll <laughs> while I'm on my exercise bike. Yeah. That yeah. is what I use it for. <laughs> Sometimes I stream Twitch and YouTube if I'm feeling weird. Yeah, yeah. That, that even feels weirder, though. It's like, uh, should be using you for more than this, old buddy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I did want to mention one other thing I've been playing. Um, okay. I just played through the prologue of a game called A Space for the Unbound, uh, which is a 2D uh, pixel art adventure game set in suburban and rural Indonesia in the 1990s. And it's a kind of slice of life game mixed with the supernatural. You're a teenage boy. 
uh, who can use magic powers to dive into people's brains, kind of psychonauts-ish style Ooh, almost. Okay. Um, oh, you got my attention. And then, but like instead of those full elaborate levels, it's usually like really brief puzzles inside okay. people's brains. Um, so I really wish I'd had more time to play it at, by the time of recording because it came out, uh, I think, on Thursday this week. Uh, on the 19th of January and I just haven't had time to sit down and really play it. I've only played the prologue, but it's a game that I've been looking forward to for a really long time. And I've been saying for a while that the two most important frontiers in game development nowadays are going to be Latin America and Southeast Asia. Um, So I'm really excited to play this game as like one of the games coming from that frontier. Yeah, yeah, and it does seem like we've been getting that um, that kind of like indie push for a while from Latin America. Like I'm thinking about like was it Papa Yo? Is that what it was called? Papa Yo was yeah. That, that was, was several years back, ago, right? Yeah, and, yeah. So I mean, like it seemed like that there was a little bit of a trickle out, and then kind of stopped and started again with a couple other games. But um, yeah, I, like Chris Tales came out a couple yeah, years Tales, ago. Yeah. So yeah. I've been I've been like itching to play some of those. Um, but just haven't had the time. Uh, like Chris Tales was free on Epic at some point last year. So I picked it up and I just never fired it up. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good looking game. I played probably about the first hour and a half of it and just kind of one of those things. Like it's a grindy RPG. I get that feeling, you know, but, um, uh, it it was gorgeous. It was fun to play when I played it. Just, I I wasn't ready to make that commitment then. (laughs) I'll, I'll make that commitment one day when I, I have the time. <laughs> I, I keep saying that one day when I have the time. Um, speaking of something I did actually have the time to do over the holidays, uh, have you watched Arcane? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I watched it when it came out. And interestingly, I have played a fair amount of League of Legends uh, just to set the stage. I just don't know a lot about the lore. I, I don't know why the lore in that game just bounces right off of me. Um, so like I was going into it kind of as someone unfamiliar with the series, even though I've got hundreds of hours in league, um, because to me, league was always a Dota ripoff. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but I grew up on Dota one. So, you know, when in my mind, it's just like, okay, oh, Karthus is Lich King. You know what I mean? Like, or like, I would always just have to like make these one-to-one comparisons and I never really bothered with trying to learn any of the kind of lore or whatever because in my mind i was playing the knockoff you know um and you know slowly the knockoff became the the top of the heap i guess right but um i I don't hear anything about dota 2 anymore but anyway yeah um but that's why i never really delved into the lore because it was just like okay all you're really doing is reframing the warcraft lore but then at some point apparently because the show was really interesting they got away from that <laughs> uh, so yeah i i really enjoyed the show a lot yeah i i have even less familiarity with the venue <laughs> like i have never played a second of league all i knew about it is that there are characters called heroes and the game is set in a world called runeterra and that is literally all i knew going in so i was just watching this as an animated show that people told me was really good. And it did, it was really good. I actually thought it would be even better because it had been talked up so much and yeah. it ended up being, I'd say, very good, but not fantastic. Uh, good enough that I really want to, I'm really excited for the second season and I want to see where it goes. 
but not like, oh, this is the best thing of all time. Um, and I was what really surprised me, I, I consider this a positive surprise, that it reminded me a lot of, pres- like, a lot, uh, it reminded me a lot of prestige drama, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Because prestige drama can sometimes be really tropey in and of itself. Like, you know, it has these morally compromised characters yeah. who are all, like, who Everybody's do stupid, an selfish yeah. things. Yeah. And they do stupid, selfish things, but the show is not interested in exploring why they do those super selfish things. It's just like, this character is an anti-hero yeah. who just, like, does anti-hero things. And, let, you know, let's watch some 43-year-old white guy be an asshole for yeah. uh, 50 minutes every Sunday. Like, that's what these shows are to me. And so it's nice to see a game that can... Uh, not a game, a show that can kind of evoke some of that, but that's actually interested in its characters' motivations. And, like, let me be frank, is a little bit more diverse yeah. in the cast of characters it's portraying as compared to a lot of that I, drama. I think I think you're getting around to it, too, is, like, when this came out, it was, is this good for a video game adaptation? Is this good for, a, like, a westernized anime? Or is this just good, period? You know, and I think the more people watch, it's like, no, it's just a good show. You know, you it don't is. need you don't need the league. You don't need to be in, uh, you know, animation fans. You can just watch this like a show. Um, and, you know, like I watched it with my wife. She loved it. it I did, she didn't need all that other background stuff, you know. Um, and I think that's when you kind of know you've got something pretty solid when it transcends those two levels, you know, where you're not yeah. just watching it because you're a fan of the show. And you're not just watching it because you're a fan of animation it's like no it's just a good show period you know i kind of wish actually that i had gone into it just like being a fan of animation and not knowing it had any connection to league mm-hmm. because what i couldn't stop myself from doing as i was watching the show was trying to pick out which characters were heroes in the actual yeah. game yeah there's i don't think there's a lot of them honestly like i it turns out that most of the main characters are heroes in the game right but like i don't think they had i i don't i'd have to look but I don't think they were like the original, you know, 20 years. I think some of them were added along the time the game came out or the show came out, I should say. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't remember the three main characters at all. And that, that might just they might be newer. They might not have been in the game when I played or I might just not have played them. You know, when Lee came out, too, there's 50 million heroes. So, yeah. you know, if you didn't no. play one, who knows, you know? I think Jinx, Violet, and Caitlyn have been in the game for a while. But again, I have no... Jinx was. I don't know about Vi. I'd have to look. But um, yeah, so I mean, like, it's kind of one of those, like, you know, they add a new hero every two weeks. So, um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I had the same experience where I wanted to look. I wanted to just watch the show on its own, um, you know, and see if I recognize anybody. Like, almost like, oh, it's that guy. Um, yeah. But, you know, when, when my fave heroes didn't pop up, I wasn't bothered about it. But I also was kind of like, oh, I wonder what he was up to. Um, but yeah, it's it's on its own. It's a good show. Um, I think it, it's got a lot of accolades for it. And I think the other thing it's done is every damn gaming company in the world right now is like, how do we make this ourselves? You know, I mean, like I hear pretty much every property now is looking for their version of this. So, I mean, The Last of Us is doing it in live action yeah. right now on HBO to surprising critical acclaim. Yeah. I wonder about that one though, because you know, I think we've ta- we've kicked this around on the avocado, but. The Last of Us was already a cinematic as hell game. Um, I think someone said, it might have been you even, it was like when they got the, the script from the game, it was already basically a screenplay. You know, they, they were like, yeah, there we go. Um, so I, I don't know if that's just like the perfect fit for the perfect show. Plus, it's 
basically a zombie story. Um, you know, so it's got that kind of like level of comfort fit for most of the audience anyway, who yeah. have now grown up on zombie shows. Um, so, you know, you don't have to explain. Yeah, this is just zombie shit. Don't worry about it um, too much. You know, don't get too wrapped up in the fungus or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched it. And I think part of it, I've, I've got this weird relationship with Last of Us where I think it was the perfect game. I really do. I think Last of Us won was a perfect game i had such a good time playing it i walked away from it and i was like i never i don't feel the same need to play a sequel or to watch a show or i, I don't know i don't know if, if the show would do anything different for me than what i walked away from from the game you know if i can binge it maybe that'll make it a little easier um, yeah but i, I don't know there, there was a lot about that game where i was just like the emotions i felt the things that happened the gameplay that connected it all was really just taking you from scene to scene in a movie anyway right um, I just don't know. Like, I, I'm glad people are enjoying it. I probably will watch it and binge it one day. But it's just it's not as surprising, I guess, to me that it's a big hit because I was like, yeah, it's a very well written, tight, cinematic game. You know, um, I don't know if they're going to try to ring a second and third series out of it or season out of it. That'd be a little more interesting, I think, you know, because um, I think the plan is to do more seasons. But I don't know whether they're going to do like more side stuff, whether they're going to they're adapt the second game. Um, again, I've never played either Last of Us games, so uh, I wouldn't know like how exactly the show maps to the game uh, or the game maps to the show. But my understanding is that they want to eventually adapt both games. Yeah, I think what they do is they just get in the show, they get into more detail from what I can understand. They just get into yeah. more detail about certain events that are kind of one-off mentioned in the game. You know, oh, he was a smuggler or, you know what I mean? Like those types of things. And they, they break into it a little bit more. But I got nothing against the show. I'm not mad it exists or anything. You know, it's just like, you know. Yeah, it, I, don't need to, I don't need to watch this right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got so yeah. much on my plate. I'll catch up to it. All right, so that's what we played and watched over the holidays. Now, before we make predictions for 2023, what we're first going to do is look back at the predictions we made in 2022 on our first podcast that we recorded in 2022 and see how well we did. And so I'm just going to go through all the predictions we made. Uh, you and I, Cap, were both on that episode along with uh, podcast regulars, yeah. Lovely Bones and Luter. Uh So let's first start with my predictions. All right. uh, my first prediction was that the Steam Deck wouldn't work as well as advertised. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I'll give you a half on this one, I think. I don't know. I don't know if, if I would say wrong, wrong. I, there's been a lot of tinkering with stuff, I think. that. Yeah, like, okay, there's some of... games that don't that aren't up to stuff, but like the promise of being able to play most of your Steam library on the yeah, go. Yeah, They fulfilled that. I'm trying to give you so, a little credit. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think, I think brought in spirit, I was wrong on this. I uh, think, even if, like, on some particulars, like, some games, like, absolutely cropped out on the Steam Deck, sure. But in spirit, I think I was wrong on this. Hunter's probably happy with theirs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, we've talked a lot about this, which is technology in general. Um, I just don't have that slot in my life for the Steam Deck. I just don't. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing, you know. Other people are more mobile than me, but when I'm gaming, I'm sitting down, I'm comfortable, I got my room, I got my, you know what I mean? Um, and th I realize that's not everybody's reality, and I'm pretty lucky to have it, right? But I just, I had, um, 
Do you remember when NVIDIA came out with the NVIDIA Shield? Not the TV box, but the actual handheld? Yeah. I've got one of those. And on it, I had, oh, God, I think it's called Moonlight, which would ba basically let you remote into your own PC and play your Steam library. And then there was some games that were just straight up available to play uh, through NVIDIA, you know? And I was like, oh, this is going to change everything. I can, you know, take my games with me down the go and everything. It's just, it just never really ended up working out for me, you know? Um, and this was when I was probably the most mobile in my life because I was, I think I'm still in the army or had just gotten out. But, um, you know, I, I was doing what I do now, which is driving from house to house. And I've got lots of downtime. And um, I just, I never, it never really found that, that spot for it, right? Tablets are kind of the same thing for me. I just don't have, I don't have a tablet. I've owned plenty of them. I've just never really found that, that spot for it. So, I'm glad that the yeah, Steam Deck like, exists, but it's also something that I can kind of comfortably say I don't know that this is a gadget I must own, even with kind of the success they've been having. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I mean, now my commute is on foot, mm -hmm. but my commute to work used to be by bus, and it could mm -hmm. be an hour and a half each way. And then, like, I was very glad that I had my Switch. I'd play that on the bus. And I could see a Steam Deck slotting into that right. part of my life. Uh, but I already have a device that I can use to play games in bed, and that's the Switch. Um, like, I don't need a second device for that now. So I can't see a Steam Deck slotting into my life at this point. And I think but part of it too, if circumstances change, maybe. Part of it, too, can be the games that you specifically tend to play, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know that i would want to sit down and play uh, you know a long rpg or an mmo or you know a looter shooter on a steam deck i don't know that i would i think there are a ton of games that are perfect for it right i just yeah. don't know that the games i play would have that fit you know um so i figure some of them for me some of them might but i I don't really have space for it in my life right now. I don't have space to be just buying more gadgets. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm glad for its success. It's just, eh, not for me at the moment. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, there's anything wrong with that, you know? All right, let's move on to my second prediction, which okay. is that Digimon Survive will release in 2022 within a couple of months of Digimon Con, which was held in February, and a new Digimon Story will, game will be announced at Digimon Con for a late 2023 release date. Yeah, I was wrong on this one as well. <laughs> Digimon Con was in February. Digimon Survive was a release date was not announced then. They did announce a release date a few months later for late July. And a new Digimon story game is in development, but it has not yet been officially unveiled. Uh, and I don't, I'm not even sure it'll come out this year. I think maybe early 2024. Uh, but at this stage, unannounced. Well, I mean, we know there's a new game in development. That much has been announced, but we don't know its name. We don't. It's not been confirmed what it's about. There's been no footage. Uh, it's like how Dragon Age 4 was for years. We knew it was happening. The studio said it was happening, but they didn't say anything more just about to, it. Just to give you a little more, you know, this isn't all on you. Uh, you know, that was a very specific prediction. <laughs> so. I mean, I think specificity, is, uh, I think not fun, being specific right? is, yeah, specificity is fun. And vagueness is cowardice yeah, yeah. when it comes to this I, I kind like of exercise. A little, little into that too. So I like how we had the normal, normal, wacky. That was a good one last year. Yeah, we did two normal, one wacky. Yeah. Uh, I think someone did one normal and two wackies. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, so my my wacky prediction was that the new Mario Kart game will be a mashup with F Zero. 
Uh, I gave myself an unconfirmed on mm-hmm. this because I didn't specify a timeline in my prediction. Yeah. Uh, no new Mario Kart game has been announced yet. We don't have a Mario Kart 9. We don't know when it's coming. We don't even know if it's coming. So uh, I'm going to say neither true nor false. I think that's fair. All right. What was your first prediction? Uh, digital purchases becoming interoperable between stores. Ah, this was false, but God, I wish. This... I, I really wanted this to be true. Yeah. I mean, I could... I. Maybe not, it's not there yet, right? But I mean, I feel like it feels like everybody's trying to take the tiniest bite of the smallest, you know, piece that they possibly can right now, right? Everybody's moved back to Steam for the most part, right? Microsoft's back yeah. on Steam, EA's back on Steam, Ubi's back on Steam, everybody's back on Steam, right? So I could really see this being fine. You can buy this, you can play it on Steam, but here's what you get if you buy it from the Uplay store and we give you a Steam code or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, that's maybe where this ends up going, right? Hey, buy it on Steam, but activate this on the Uplay store and we'll give you a costume for Altair. You know what I mean? Something like that. But I don't know. I, like, I think it's it's still all, like, I shouldn't say it's all gravy for the publisher, but it actually does help them gather data on right. player usage, which they're not going to get directly from Steam. I mean, like, you can ha- we, they can have you log in to your Ubisoft account to play the game when you play it via Steam, right. but people are just going to get annoyed if they have to do that. Whereas if you do it when you fire it up from the Uplay client, then they get all that, all those user metrics that are so valuable for figuring out how people play games and they can like spin that into their future development. Well, this is also why I think it's more and more important for Epic to still exist. I mean, I know people think I'm crazy, but I I really do think that competition is absolutely necessary in these types of storefronts. I really do. You know, Um, I don't want it all to just be, steam um remember a lot of the improvements steam has had in the past couple years they basically were goaded into because other other shops allowed it yeah like the return policy that was huge pressure from origin yeah yeah and i mean people forget about that but yeah i mean until people were like wait a minute origin's got this you love it guarantee if i don't love it i just i just click a button i get my money back um you know little things like that are what pushes steam Everybody's so convinced that Steam is the good guy. I'm not as convinced as everyone else. I, I think their reputation has suffered in recent years. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I will say I haven't thought they're the good guys since, like, 2013. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I, I've, I've had a decade of, like, crapping on Steam. But um, they're the convenient guys right now, and I get it. Yeah. Like, people want to have all their stuff in one place. I, I get it, but... Like, I, I am one of those people. I'll yeah. argue that I do want a lot of my stuff in that client, in that space that I can use with that client and I can interact with that community. Yeah. Uh, but that's because of how I play games, right? Like I love sharing my screenshots with my friends. Uh, I love um, like all the, all the collaborative features. I love being able to like stream parts of my gameplay to friends Uh, like steam remote play. Like these are features that I actually use. Um, but I understand, like, if you're not using those features, Steam is for most people who use Steam just another launcher. Yeah, storefront. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, wrong on this one. Uh, that was my normal one, but, man, 
Okay. Um, All right, let's go with your wacky prediction, yeah, which weirdly enough, you did pretty well on. Supporting RTX 30 series, and the card drought will end abruptly this year once the 40 series is announced. I'm going to give myself a full true on this one. There has been something going on with these cards I cannot figure out still. Like, no one's buying these 4070 TIs. They're just sitting there, right? Um 4080s are priced really weirdly where they would normally price the 4080 Ti. There's no 4080 Ti on the horizon that I've seen at least, you know. 4090s are that higher tier that, you know, the founders editions, you know, that used to be called. They're really trying to push people towards buying the 4090. Yes. And making the 4080 uh, comparatively less attractive. Like, it is... It's like in marketing, it's called the decoy product. Right. Where it's a product that you don't necessarily that you put out into the market that you know most people aren't going to buy that exists to make another more expensive product look better really be at the 4070 level if they were just yeah. honest with themselves but they go look another extra whatever and i can get a 4080 well i can get a 48 but another little extra whatever and i can get a 4090 and then they slowly talk themselves I, into spending. i've been on that treadmill yeah like i went up from a i was gonna buy a 270 and i was like ah, oh, you know what i'll spend a little bit of extra scrap for the 2080 mm-hmm. like i was on that treadmill i'm familiar with it it's just very weird the availability of the 30 series kind of can't find it anywhere can't find it anywhere to okay the 40 series they basically nobody was buying the 30 series because everybody's just sitting there waiting saying fine if this thing isn't available i'm not gonna go you know fight scalpers and fight this just tell me when the new line is available 40 series gets announced and now these 30s are just sitting there because crypto crashed uh crypto also got away from mining now mining is effectively dead and so yeah, because they went to proof of, proof of state, state yeah. rather, rather proof of work. And then um, it just really ended up being like this just giant crash for NVIDIA where I think they ended up like having to sell the 3080, but not enough, <laughs> not hard like, enough I, that people would buy I it. Like, <laughs> I don't think NVIDIA was ever hoarding cards. I think they were just producing at the level they were going to produce. I mean, keep in mind, there's a worldwide the component shortage, a right, worldwide right, yeah. silicon chip shortage. So I don't think they were necessarily hoarding the cards per se, but I do think they were taking advantage of the crypto boom to like keep the prices high yeah, and higher than they potentially needed to. And I think where they screwed up is they thought eventually people are just going to give up and just start buying these. And I don't know if that it's happening. I think you're seeing a lot of people who are very happy with 20s and 30s not even looking at 40s. You know, I, I do every other gen, right? So I went from uh, 1080 to 2080 to, to 4080, basically. Um, that's just how I do it. I don't, you know, everybody's got their own thing, right? But I didn't even look at the 30 series because I knew I was just going to wait it out. And the prices were too ridiculous. And also, it's a lot of effort to, to get a 30 series that I was not willing to put in. <laughs> like, just, it was the, the perfect convenient uh, you know, time between everybody wanting to build PCs because of the pandemic, to, to crypto, to everything else. I was like, I'm sitting this one out. Um, and I think that was a smart decision. I think so too. And I think eventually I'm going to get my wife a 3070 and pop it in hers for ho- hopefully with a couple hundred bucks. And um, I'll be quiet till 60, 80. <laughs> so, and, you know, I will say this too the form factor of these cards got to get a little better. Um, this. 4080 is no lie the size of a Series S. Um, and I've heard that the 4090s are even bigger. 
one of the big reasons I went with 4080 over 4090 wasn't just per, like the performance is you know pretty close, but it's too big, it's too hot, it's too loud, and it takes too much power. And that's and like you know I'm physically worried about how heavy it is yeah. because your motherboard has to support it. You don't want it sagging in your tower. I went and that's... bought this thing. It's like it, it's almost like an elbow bracket. You know what I mean? And like I screwed it down to the bottom of my case and it's got like a winching arm to take the the weight off it's it's all very odd you know to have to kind of like pry open your case and get your video card held up uh, you know, with a with a secondary thing that you have to go buy now um i don't like know. they should i don't know if evga is no longer in that market but if like zotac or whatever is building these cards they should come with these brackets yeah like, don't sell me something that's going to break my motherboard, right? I have a Gigabyte, well, I think technically Aorus motherboard, right? And it's a pretty new one. Uh, I think it's within the last year, right? So I don't know how much of the 4080, 4090 specs they knew about, right? But I get the 4080 card, and it comes with a mounting bracket that wants you to screw holes into, like, through your motherboard into your, your chassis, right? So that it'll hold up the... the um, the GPU from the back of your computer, kind of like winch the weight into the back. Like, do you literally have to drill a hole? No, 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 no. Like it would, so it'd be like a peg through. Oh, okay, okay. Like through the two, the motherboard and into the case, like where you normally would screw in um, like your standoffs, right? And I was like, you know what? I, I would rather have my video card dip than my standoffs break. I feel, I was trying to you know, do the math in my own head. Like what would be worse, you know? I was like, well, if the standoff breaks, wouldn't it just basically fry everything anyway? Um, you know, so I, kinda, I was like, you know what? I don't like the idea of doing this. I'm just going to go buy this little $10 thing from Amazon. But um, I don't know. This this got to end some point. You can't just keep making these things so big. But power consumption is a – I mean, I don't know what electric looked like in your area or anything. But, I mean, my electric bills during the summer were hitting 200 bucks. That's that's insane for us. Um you know, and we all, we gave the power companies kind of this excuse with, you know, oh, well, I guess war with Russia makes our electricity go up. So, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Charge me whatever. But uh, I live in Ontario, the land of cheap hydro. <laughs> there you go. So well, I mean, part <laughs> my perspective is a little yeah. different. You would think that, you know, someone would say, hey, wait a minute. We don't get any power from Russia. <laughs> so, but nope, they just gouge anyway. Um, but, yeah, I I just it was something that was very top of mind when I was buying around i started looking at the wattage i was like well if i get the 90 i gotta get a new psu it's got just an idle power draw that's very high i mean a a lot of stuff just kind of pushed me away from it um but yeah i don't know maybe there wasn't an exactly a conspiracy but they definitely were playing some games there i think so and all right well let's move on to your third prediction which i think you got i'll say you i'll give you a full true on this All all right Uh, This was games that will dominate the conversation this year are indie games that aren't currently on many people's radars. I think this is pretty fair. I think Elden Ring did suck a lot of the air out of the room initially, but I think that was expected, and everybody kind of knew what they were getting with Elden Ring. Um, Maybe a better story from what I've heard than what maybe they typically would have gotten from a Souls game. But, you know, it was kind of like, yes, this is still great, and the great still keeps being great. But it didn't seem like it took over the conversation, right? God of War, kind of a similar scenario where it was good, but I feel like everybody played it and was done with it. Um, 
I didn't see a lot of discussion about God of War other than, you know, kind of similar to Elden Ring. Yep, this is still good. It's still fun. But I don't think God of War Ragnarok was pushing, you know, gaming boundaries or anything like that. I heard a lot of people say it was a slight step back than the first one even. Um, yeah, I've heard both that it's a step back and that it's a step forward. I think people are roughly evenly split yeah. on that. Um, but I think this year really was, I mean, a lot of indies that just came out of nowhere that everybody really got into, at least, you know, if you're talking discourse-wise or whatever you want to talk about, right? But, um, I mean, it seemed like Stray was, for whatever reason, I mean, it was captivating a lot of people. Um, Pendiment, definitely. Um, Neon White has, like, a speedrunning community, I think. You know, like, there's a yeah. lot of interesting games that came out of that left field that we were not talking about. And I think part of it was kind of how 2021 and 2022 were so weird for development. I think a lot of these companies didn't really know what they had, so they didn't really know how much to talk about it. Um, but yeah, a lot of sleeper indie games that really just kind of came out last minute and really took over a little bit. Um, I think we're still kind of seeing through that a yeah. lot of the a lot of the cool talk is still around little you know little studios and little indie games in a way. Like it was interesting for me to see games like Norco, mm -hmm. Signalis, and uh, Citizen Sleeper that just come out of nowhere to end up in the Game of the Year conversation. Yeah, at the even end of the if year. you look at like large publication Game of the Year stuff, it's like Elden Ring, maybe God of War, like two or three, and then it's a lot of indie stuff for the filling out the rest of the ten. And that's yeah, a lot of Norco, a lot of Neon White, a lot of Signalis, a lot of Immortality. On you those don't lists. see that usually in big publication end of the year yeah. you know type list you usually see you know you're it's almost always the opposite here's your one or two token indies you know <laughs> and then like here's all the actual triple a stuff we love but there wasn't triple a was real dry this year it really was um i would say in a typical year you'd get probably like cult of the lamb would make it mm -hmm. and like maybe immortality and that would be the token indies on like game spot or ign's list. yeah like there, there's no way pentiment would you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that just does not feel like the kind of game that would make their game of the year list, even though it's fantastic. It would get bumped out by, you know, Call of Duty 9 million. Not because, like, I'm saying they're dumb, but I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of game that takes all the air out of the room. And Call of Duty and Battlefield and all these other games kind of had down years, honestly. I mean, even Halo still never had their up year yet. So yeah. it's, it's really weird to see those indies be where the game of the year conversation i mean i was really pleasantly surprised at our own list honestly you know like shoot i mean it's i mean i know total war isn't exactly an indie but it's definitely not triple a you know so um yeah for sure a lot of interesting advances this year when it comes to the games that came out so i'll give myself I like a 1.5 out of three <laughs> i think you're mostly true on this yeah. um i'll say it's it was really fun for like every outlets uh, game of the year conversation to just look like rock paper shotguns yeah, for a change, yeah. <laughs> which is interesting. Um, and I hope that this kind of trend continues, where uh, media outlets do continue to cover uh, like the big AAA releases, but also when it comes to the end of the year, they take a look back at some of the indies that like maybe one or two people on staff played, and they're like, "Yo, you go play this." Yeah. It was fun. It was great. It reminds me a little bit of kind of where movies were, like maybe like the like mid early nineties. 
you know, where everything coming out that was, you know, like a Lions Gate or a Kevin Smith or, you know, like those were all the real movies. That's where things were happening and nobody was really going to the cinemas and stuff like that. Um, you know, you'd get your one or two in, but it really felt like there was something interesting happening, um, you know, away from the the big spotlight. And I, I don't know. I, this is a really cool year. And, I'm, you know, I'm not super, super, super into like, you know, if you show me a pixel platformer, you better have a damn good hook <laughs> for me to play it. But um, I thought it was a good year. I mean, for, yeah. for, for across the board for indie games. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to Lovely Bones predictions. Uh, her first prediction was that Obsidian will put out a lot of information on all their upcoming games. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give this one, maybe I'm being unfair. I think I'm going to give this one a mostly false uh, because Obsidian did release Pentiment, but they hadn't announced it at the time yeah, they made kind of a, these predictions. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it had been rumored for a while. We knew that Josh Sawyer was working on a quote unquote non violent RPG, uh, but we didn't really know that much else about it. Um, however, we didn't get like anything on Avowed or Outer Wild, Outer Outer Wilds, Outer Worlds <laughs> Outer Worlds 2. Too. Yeah. yeah, Outer Worlds Two is, I think, a big question mark for me. Um, that game felt like it was going somewhere, going somewhere, and then it just ended, right? And, and I don't, I don't have a problem with that because I, I get that Microsoft was buying them. They were probably like, let's get this thing out the door, you know, whatever our contractual obligations are, and then we'll figure out where we go from here, you know. Um, yeah, but it felt like the first area was like so well done and defined, and then the rest of the game never felt like that. So, um, I, Outer Worlds Two is going to be interesting to me to see what it actually is. Avowed, I had no clue, no damn clue at all. <laughs> I my problem with Avowed, and I know this is going to be a really hot take, is that I don't like the world of Pillars of Eternity. I don't think it's interesting, and like, I know people tell me it has all this really deep lore uh, that's really nuanced, really exciting, but you have to dig so yeah. much in that game to get to it that I can't find myself excited for Avowed. Like, the way Avowed will sell me on itself is if the gameplay looks really neat, mm -hmm. because I, I am not invested in this world whatsoever. So normal to be honest with you yeah. i don't think that pillar has made a good case for its game world to be honest with you um i mean i i've played it enough that i really do like and enjoy it but um pillars does feel a very i don't know it, it's not as defining as status it's not as you know what i mean like there's not that those hooks in there that are like wow this feels like something i haven't seen before or heard before it, it just doesn't have that going for it and i don't i don't know that I don't know that if I was going to set a game in its world, it would have enough of a pro or a con to really get people interested in it. I'm. I think like the most damning thing I can say about it is that, um, I think I I I kind of got bored about of pillars say like 15 hours in, mm -hmm. and I wrote I wrote online something about like, you know, it didn't really have much to hook me beyond it's like you know it's your typical dark medieval fantasy, mm -hmm. and then. Someone pointed out to me, it's not medieval. It's like post-medieval, like classical era steampunk. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't pick up on that at all. And, and, you, and I played this game for 17 hours. Because it's got one of those like interminably long, like first areas. Honestly, I really think they could have cut that first area down so much and got you into the meat of the game so much faster. But 
Um, you know, you that's so tell, much cooler than, yeah. than like medieval, right? You, you can't tell people though to, to play a game a certain way when, you know, we've all been kind of, you know, Hey, this is how you play an RPG. You stay in this area until you finish everything. And nobody else has anything else for you. Then you walk away. Uh, it's why the first thing anybody tells people about Dragon Age Inquisition is get the hell out of the hinterlands, right? Um, because the game ain't going to tell you that. <laughs> so, but I think I feel like the game really does tell you. Oh well, yeah, like I mean, it keeps nudging you out, and like it almost explicitly it. tells you that you can ret- you will return here later. Yeah, like I don't know. But I feel like Pillars, people are being obtuse about that one. Pillars, I don't think, has anything even like that, where it's kind of like you're solving this mystery and there's different ways to go about it. But it is a it is a really slow first couple, probably about when you quit, if I'm thinking about it right. Let me see. 15 hours. I'm trying to think about where you would have gotten. Um, I was in, like, the – I think the second city where you have to – I went through like a mansion and it kept kicking my ass. It took me like 80 tries because I wasn't leveled properly and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to look it up later. Yeah. Uh, so you were probably, you were outside of the Gilded Vale, I'm assuming. I think, yeah. yeah. I don't remember the names. It's been yeah. many, many years. Just looking it up. I mean, like I'm trying to remember exactly where you were in the story, but it's like, if you keep promising the story is going to open up and by a certain point it hasn't, that's not your fault to be kind of past it, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't have any problems with it, with you quitting there. And this is why I say that Pillars of Eternity is really a JRPG. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I bet uh, you that you could probably say the same thing for Torment, too. Their recent Torment Tides of Numenaria. That one felt very JRPGist to me, too. When you're, your main focus for the first couple hours is building the party, how could it not be a JRPG, you know? Yeah, um, pretty much. All right, let's do Lovely Bones's second prediction, which was her wacky one. Star Fox for Switch will be announced for a 2023 release. Uh, that didn't happen in 2022, so I guess it's false, but it's also unconfirmed because it still could happen this year. We yeah. could get a new Star Fox game this year. Uh-huh. We don't know. Uh, and finally, her third prediction, we will get a full E3-style video demo of Insomniac's upcoming Spider-Man game this year. But we won't hear anything about their Wolverine game. Mm-hmm. This is fifty percent true. Yeah. We no didn't get any demos. No Wolverine, well, yeah. I'm actually surprised about this. We didn't get any demos at any point of the upcoming Spider-Man game, and they're still claiming they're going to hit their late 2023 release date. Now, so I'm really, I don't know. I'm really looking at Sony. They're they have to stop putting their own games against each other, right? At some point. <laughs> What did Horizon released against Ragnarok, right? No, no, no. They released yeah, opposite Ring? ends of the year. Horizon released against Elden yeah. Ring. Um, and Ragnarok, was, I think, kind of had leeway. Yeah. I, I, they got to stop doing that, right? But um, I don't know. I don't know if they're looking at when these games are going to be ready and trying to give them enough space that they're not trying to slam them into a calendar, you know? And that's why they're not yeah, saying like, much. Or The first Horizon game was... Does, uh, yeah, the first into a pulp was... by Breath of the yeah, Wild. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Second Horizon game against Elden Ring. Like, I get that it's hard to schedule games, and it's not like either Horizon game sold poorly, mm-hmm. but it did kind of take the spotlight away from. Yeah, them. you can't convince me. Hey, look, you want to play a cool open RPG? Well, I've got two options for you. One has fifty years of, <laughs> you know, precedent before it and is beloved, and one, uh, you know, we just kind of made up and it's got a. 
you know, it's got dinosaurs in it. I, I don't I know. I mean, in retrospect, I, I mean, I played, I started Breath of the Wild many years after it came out. I kind of wish I played Horizon instead. Really? Um, I didn't really, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever go back to Breath of the yeah. Wild. Um, I got maybe 20 hours in. And I was like, eh, I've got other stuff to do. Yeah, that was me here in Horizon, honestly. I got to where, like, okay, we're doing some, you know, future was bad, past is actually what happened type shit. And I, just, I don't know. For me, that combat was rough. I, I couldn't kill the same dinosaur in the same way 500 times, you know? That's fair, yeah. Um, and the other half of uh, her prediction was that we wouldn't hear anything about the upcoming Wolverine game. And that turned out to be correct. Yeah. We didn't hear Jack about it. Well, with uh, I, I know that uh, Midnight Suns was a big old flop. Um, um, Commercially, I, yeah. Avengers. Critically. Oh, we didn't mention this news. Avengers just got shit canned. They're shutting down the service for it. Um, I don't know if you oh, did yeah. or not, but. Uh, I did. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. not a good time for Marvel games just in general right now. Um, I'm not too surprised, I guess, that. You know, maybe they're not as anticipating trying to look at what made Guardians of the Galaxy work and literally no other Marvel game, you know? Yeah, the problem is Guardians of the Galaxy just didn't sell at all. Yeah. It was um, on Game Pass super fast, um, you know, for example. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, I do know that Midnight Suns was 35% off last month. And I think it'd been out like maybe 45 days at that point. So... Ooh, that's a deep discount. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, somebody even had to correct me because I thought it was a card battler, and apparently the cards are like abilities, but it's not necessarily it's it's like an XCOM ability kind of type. Yeah. Thing. Um, somebody. So instead of having point. like a, a list of attacks, yeah. you go into battle with cards. Yeah. Um, I, and but otherwise, it's a tactics game. Because I definitely remember hearing card battle. I was like, okay, see you later. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they did a very good job of marketing it. And I think I know that unlike third person action gameplay, it doesn't look as flashy, mm -hmm. but you can't bury the gameplay of a tactics game sure, and yeah. show it off. It, it, like I, I will give a I will give a credit to um to like say Mario Rabbids. They did not shy away from showing off that tactical gameplay to people, explaining exactly what it was, so that people knew what it was going in and it it paid dividends, at least for uh, Kingdom Battle. Yeah. Can't say anything for Sparks of Hope because that apparently flopped. Uh, but for Marvel's Midnight Suns, like it was so hard to even hunt down footage of what the game looked like yeah. in action pre-release, and like that's not something you should bury. That's something you should embrace. I just personally gotten finished with um, very hyped Gloomhaven, right? Which was um, you know everything. Like, oh, you got to play this. You got to play this. And I I was so frustrated with that car that combat system. I think I uninstalled it after about 10 minutes. Um, it was just the opposite of what I wanted in a game where you're having to choose between an attack and a move. And it's, it's more a puzzler than an RPG, honestly, you know? Yeah. Um, really, really, really disappointed with that game. So um, when I heard, oh, this is a card bother, I'm like, eh, I'm good. But that sometimes it comes down to the way you market the stuff, too, you know? And Absolutely. Nobody yeah. has an, I, if you would have told me that was an XCOM, I'd have been a lot more interested. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That they 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 should have just said this is an XCOM, but with cards. Yeah. Instead of it's instead of leaving people with the impression that it's a card battler on like a map, or I don't even know. 
um, they really needed to show it off um, and like really just show the gameplay, get a little granular with it, uh, put out demo videos, and get people excited to play tactics. And it's stuff like you know what we're talking about with all these indie games and everything kind of working. If you got something that you're proud of and you think works, show it. Like stop yeah. being so sneaky about it. Just you know, we if people bought Peniment. Could you imagine a harder game to sell? <laughs> like, I don't know what it sold or if it's just a game passing. It probably didn't sell shit, right? But, like, it definitely got awards and acclaim and stuff. But, like, I mean, that was a labor of love that was just wacky as shit that you'd never in a million years would have been able to explain to anybody. And people just played it, right? Because they're like, oh, dialogue thing. I get it. But if you're proud of yeah, it, Yeah, they were it. not scared to show off exactly what that game was. Yeah. And, like... That game surprised me in many ways, but I was not surprised about what that game was yep. when I sat down to play. <laughs> I was actually pleasantly surprised it wasn't like a like a pixel hunt clicker. I didn't have to do any of that, so that's always exactly. good in my book. Yeah, I was really like, I knew what it was going in, and I like I was pleasantly surprised about the things that it sidestepped, mm-hmm. um, and I think that ended up working well for the game. Like, I, I don't know if we'll ever get numbers on this, but I think it did what Microsoft wanted it to do, which is a lot of people played it on Game Pass, were happy to play it on Game Pass, and kept their Game Pass sub because it proved, again, the value of You know of game what Pass. I thought of that as, like, I can't stop talking about this game, but I kind of thought about it as, like, counter-programming. You know how, like, you know, on Sunday afternoons, you, you know, nobody's going to win against the NFL, so instead they'll put on, like, um, you know, fast times at Ridgemont high or like some kind of like, you know, goofy feel good, fun movie for everybody else. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I felt like Pentiment was. I was like, they knew they couldn't compete with the God of wars and, and all the other stuff that Sony had coming out. So they're like, look, here is, you know, the, this beloved indie that's, you know, we've been kind of hiding under our sleeves for a little bit. And it was, it just felt like counter program. It was like the exact opposite of a God of war game, you know? Um, but man, really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was happy to play it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do Lou Terra's yeah. first prediction, which was uh, when Braid Anniversary Edition comes out in 2022, it'll spark a two-week torrent of discourse and then disappear from the zeitgeist entirely. Uh, I still think this will happen yeah, know, whenever Braid happen. Anniversary <laughs> Edition comes out, but it didn't end up coming out last year, so we're going to have to give this one a false. Um, his second prediction, which was his wacky one, which is that uh, the upcoming Mario movie will be good. Unconfirmed. It's, it's not out yet. I do. I, I mean, like, I know we've got a lot of, oh, Chris Pratt, this, Chris Pratt, that, you know, as far as the voice goes, right? Um, I get the actual concerns about the actor, but um, I, I think this is going to be something that gets butts in seats. I really do. Um, and I know Hollywood right now is a mess, and who could have predicted what movies are working and what aren't, right? But I really have this feeling on this movie. I think this is going to be one of those ones that surprises everybody. Yeah, I I didn't really like what I saw in the trailer, mm-hmm. but I also think that Nintendo's been so guarded with their property, mm-hmm. I don't think they'd let something that was terrible get out the door. I thought the trailer- I think I don't think it'll be fantastic. Yeah. I think it will be an okay time and people will say, "Okay, I get what they're going for." It was fine. It wasn't amazing, but it was not a train wreck. I think the trailer just gave just enough to know how they were going to be playing it, which I almost want to say is like a Wreck-It Ralph feel, right? Like you're in the world and the rest doesn't matter. 
you know, let the world kind of go around you. It's just video games, right? Um, and I think that's just enough that if they if they do something similar to Wreck-It Ralph, which is, hey, this is a fish-out-of-water story about a guy who ends up in a video game world, and it's all the stuff you already know because you played this for your whole life, I, I think it could really work. So, But, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be good. I'm with Luther on this one, but unconfirmed for now for sure. All right, and his wacky prediction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is that wacky. Uh-uh. Uh, but he said, play-to-earn games will become annoyingly big this year, but then crash after government intervention or legal challenges. Uh, I get this is sort of true. Yeah, they did become bigger in 2022 and then completely crashed when the NFT market crashed. Yeah. Uh, the whole crypto market kind of collapsed. Uh, but that happened without government intervention or legal challenges. It just kind of collapsed because... Everybody realized it was stupid. Yeah, and I mean, I've been, I don't know if you've been following this crypto zoo stuff uh, I, on the internet is at that... large. It's Logan Paul's weird. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And I've been following that. Game that's really not a game. And then, uh, you know, he basically hired every scammer you could find and said, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. These scammers that I hired <laughs> were why you were actually scammed. But I, what I've been seeing to give the government a little bit of credit here is where they're going after a lot of these celebrities for endorsing this stuff and not putting that they're basically endorsing a security product rather than just like a fun NFT game thing, right? Um, You know, I think the Kardashians were fined millions and basically told they cannot endorse securities because the government is looking at this stuff less as, you know, a fun game and more of the only reason you would buy this is as an investment. That's a security. And oh, is it like, is it like those regulations where you can't give people, yeah, like you can't advertise a security right, legally right. Like I because there's different regulations. Exxon stock, if I don't know, and you know what I mean. Especially if I'm like, look, you know, I got some people on the inside. You know, you go buy this stock, you'll get real rich. Everybody who buys this stock gets rich. You should go do it because that's what leads to pump and dumps, right? So if you don't have the ability to actually, you know, say anything about it. Like legally, I think you have to say, I'm, you know, this is an ad. Don't do this because I said to do it, but here's, you know, it's a Exxon sell stock or something like that. There's a million legal ins and outs of this. And that's why 99% of the time celebrities stay the hell away. But this was like a weird gray area, right? So you've got Steph Curry changing his avatar to an NFT. And then that NFT is linked to a game. And well, look, I'm not really selling you a security. I'm selling you a game. But I think the government got wise to that, and I think that's where the crackdown is kind of gonna, kind of go from there. Okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and good on, uh, I guess in the states it'd be the SEC, yeah, kind of cracking down this. Yeah, securities regulation is way tighter in the states than in Canada because Canada doesn't have a national securities regulator. Uh, each province has their own securities regulator. I think that's why you started to see kind of towards the end of this little NFT game craze when they were starting to get on the other side of the SEC. They were having to figure out ways to say, actually, we're not – we're selling a service, not a, not a not a not money that you can eventually get by cashing this out. And they had to do this through all these weird tokens and stuff, and it just got too complicated, and it scared 90% of the market away. And then all the crashes started happening on top of that. So, um, I mean – Definitely, uh, definitely lessened. (laughs) I'm glad it has because, yeah, this whole crypto market is just not the greatest stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, it's time to 
make predictions for 2023. We're already kind of like a month in, a little under a month into the year, uh, but we still got 11 months left to go. So it's a good time to make some bold predictions, peer into our crystal ball and see what's going to happen this year. Um, So we'll just kind of go down the list. Um, My first prediction, I've kind of categorized mine. Uh, My first has to do with Nintendo, and it's that Astral Chain 2 will be revealed during Nintendo's E3 Direct for a 2024 release. Uh, I, you know why I'm saying this? You want it to be true? I, I, A, because I really want it to be true. Like, I just watched the uh, Astral Chain speedrun at GDQ, and it was like, damn, Astral Chain really was great. That game was fantastic. I want to play more of that game. I want to revisit that world. I want to play around with those combat mechanics. Um, and maybe this is copium, but Platinum Games put the mascot character from that game, Lappy, in one of the Bayonetta 3 trailers, mm. as, like almost like they were teasing an Astral Chain game. Yeah. And they're like, surprise, it's Bayonetta! Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't Bayonetta think they do that. When they were premiering it, there was a lot of, what game is this? And then I remember people were yeah. like, Astral Chain, was like, nope, Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why, because it was Lappy. Um, so I don't think they do that if they weren't going to revisit Astral Chain. Yeah. I think they're going to revisit it. It's been, uh, like, Astral Chain came out in 2019. I think 2023, late 2023, early 2024 is a good time for that sequel to drop. Hmm. I can see it. All right. You got a prediction oh, yeah, for I'll us? Oh, yeah. i Nintendo, too. You ready? Yeah. Nintendo announces its new console, Switch 2. You think they're announcing think that they this are. year? I I think they gotta. You know what I mean? It's it's older, and then most of the gens they don't have the push that the other consoles are having. It unless you can really show, hey, we're going to be really, really up upping the number of uh, first parties that are going to be coming out considerably. I gotta imagine that sales are starting to stagnate on the Switch. The people who want one already got one. I don't know what's selling them anymore. You know. Um, I don't know what's selling them anymore either, yeah. but they're still selling to the point that Nintendo's actually increasing Switch production yeah. this year. They, like that to me is madness. With Switch too. That's the thing. But, like I just, it's so confusing to me how it keeps happening. I guess. But I don't like. I'm saying this as someone who's very satisfied with their Switch and is happy to continue buying games for it. I don't know why people are still buying Switches. Yeah, I, I, I know for so long it's been we're going to do a Switch HD or a Switch upgrade or whatever, but they've kind of pushed that off now for two or three years now, I think, past... Oh, I don't think a Switch Pro is ever going to yeah. happen. I think it's going to be a Switch 2. I think, like, I don't think actually it's going to be announced this year. I think it's going to be announced next year mm-hmm. for an early 2025 release. Mm, okay. That'd be my guess. I think guess, this year for but... 2024. So we're, yeah. we're going to have probably a year worth of difference of who's right on this one, but... I, I think the faster they announce it, the faster they start getting people back interested in some of the Switch. And I think you've got to at least dangle that some of these cool third parties are going to start making their way. Um, because I, otherwise, I think if you're just tying yourself to first parties, and it, it's a different feel to look at the Nintendo release versus the PC release or the Xbox release or the PlayStation release where it's like, Wow, look at all these other options, these overlaps, these, you know, I'm choosing this console over this console. With Nintendo, it's just when are the Nintendo games coming out for the most part, right? Not all of them, you know, but 
a good amount of them. And I think it's why they're, you've been seeing more and more pressure for every single one of these live streams they do where it's like, where is this game? Where is the Mario Kart? Where is the F-Zero? Where is the, you know what I mean? Like there's always that. Where's Metroid Prime yeah. 4, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I have to, to like take a step back here. It's like, we're like big video game enthusiasts, right? Um, so I think we see a lot, in especially games media, that there's this idea that the Steam Deck has kind of changed the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, Steam Deck adoption is not that high. Like there are not that many people who are out there thinking of the Steam Deck as their Switch replacement. Right. That, I, I think, even, is a games media thing. Yeah, I, no, I actually um, don't even think they're in competition. I think it's two totally different markets, right? Um, yeah. I think you buy a Nintendo console to play Nintendo games, period. And they don't play ball in any other marketplace, right? You can't say, you know, I'm not going to get this on the Switch. I'm going to wait and get this on my PC like you can Sony games now, even. You know what I mean? Um they just you have to get their console to play their game and i don't know that that's a value proposition when you start to kind of tighten the purse strings because of inflation and stuff i don't know if that value is there just to get a whole console to play their one or two games a year you know yeah i mean again i think i think a lot of this is kind of influenced by us being really immersed in this world mm-hmm. that like for for me like yeah i'm only buying say one or two nintendo first parties a year sometimes i don't even buy like new nintendo first parties just buy a bunch of indie games for my switch and that's a year where i don't play my switch as much right um but like how do i put this um but wouldn't it be more i think it's true like you and let's say the average casual switch owner right wouldn't it be attractive to you if at least you could play some third parties there whether it's through streaming whether it's through you know actually being able to support the game something some kind of live service that doesn't look like it was cobbled together from leftover internet tubes from the 90s i mean like just weird stuff like that you know i mean that's not necessarily new hardware that's just nintendo sure. used to learn how to do online um like for me, I would just generally rather play all this stuff on PC anyway. Yeah. But I realize that I'm weird in that regard because I have a deep love for my mouse and keyboard that a lot of people don't. Um, what I would say, like I agree, I think Nintendo does need to put out new hardware eventually. Like I am not one of those people who thinks that Nintendo could just coast on the Switch until. 2030 yeah yeah there are some people like that i think they're they're out to lunch i think within the next couple of years they do need to put out new hardware um because it was the weakest console it was weaker than the current gen of ps4 and uh yeah absolutely it It does need when it was launched and now it's like you know what i mean it's way behind on like okay so it's not gonna get like that triple a third-party support but I also don't think it needs that. Well, I think it's like even that's... missing double-A support at this point. You know what I mean? I think That's fair. Yeah. Like, I think if you're trying to say, can you make this thing work on this game, you're going to be missing a lot. Of, I don't even mean cutting-edge graphics. I just mean, like, games that do a lot, <laughs> you know, where it's, you know. I think you're going to start missing out on those double-A's. And like we talked about last time, I think that's where the market's going. I really do. I mean, 
Um, you know, I used yeah, a bad like, example for it last time, but, but yeah. Like, yeah, I think, how do I put this? I think that the Switch, like, like I said, it needs new hardware, but what I kind of want to caution against is the idea that, like, how do I put this? That it's going to magic, like, that a new Nintendo, like a Switch 2, is going to be like this massive 4K beast of the machine that's going to catch Nintendo up to, uh, like, slightly below where PlayStation and Xbox are right now in terms of power. And we're going to get, like, this massive third-party AAA support on a Nintendo console again. Like, I don't think that is the reality. Yeah, and if people be. want that yeah. reality, I think they're out to lunch. I think Nintendo needs new hardware because even their own first-party games are starting to look a little long yep. in the tooth on Nintendo hardware. And maybe that's why and, we're not seeing, you know, the new, uh, you know, Metroids. You know what I mean? They really can't make it work, you know? Yeah, like I still think... I still think you can make games that look and run great on that machine. Like Kirby and the Forgotten Land last year was a great example of a game that took full advantage of the hardware, looked great, ran gate, was fun to play. Um, but I do think if you want to really push forward and put out more great first-party games in the next few years, then Nintendo really does need to put out that new console. I think they can work on the typical like seven or eight year cycle and put it out in late 2024, early 2025. I think that's fine. Um, Which is weird because I think that we're, this isn't going to be a prediction. I'm not hundred percent on this, but I think we're probably one full generation away from there not being an Xbox console anymore. And maybe a PlayStation one. I think Xbox is all in. I think we'll get a PS6, but I think Xbox is all in on the service, on the Game Pass service, right? And they're putting yeah. in TVs now. They're putting in whatever they can. That's going to be kind of telling. If that's a success, I think PlayStation has to follow up with something similar where it's, hey, here's the PlayStation Pass. You get this, and, you know, it's the Hulu to Microsoft's Netflix or, you know, however you want to look at it, right? But, like, we're out of the console biz, and we're into the game you know, streaming biz. And if Nintendo's still there, you know, a half a gen behind, I don't know. It's they're going to sell I, for their Mario's no matter what. I get it. I, I see how rabid people are with Nintendo games, but man, I would not. I don't think be... it's just, I, I really just don't think it's only a matter of people what really want a Nintendo first party. I think there is um, like an attraction for say families who want to give, uh, like a like almost like a toy to their kids, mm-hmm. right? I think there's an attraction in terms of uh, having party games that you can't really play on the other consoles, uh, like that motion controlled stuff and that fitness stuff that you can't really get on the other consoles. Like I think all that attraction is there, and there's still a place for that hardware to be there. Um, I do think Nintendo does though need to get with the times as far as online goes, and making more of those experiences kind of available to customers through even through the Nintendo box, whatever it ends up being called. I think they do need to kind of get with the program there, but I don't think Nintendo's really looking to abandon hardware anytime soon. Yeah, they are, but I think like, the market might do it for them, you know? Like I, I don't think it will. I think they're I, I think people are still gonna want that box. 
that connects to their TV and has like all the doodads that allow them to do the fun party stuff and the ring stuff and the dancey stuff, like all that stuff that needs all the extra accoutrements that you don't get with your TV regularly until they start like, until your like your remote control that your comes with your TV has like a gyro and all sorts of other stuff, like a D pad, like until all of that happens, I think Nintendo is pretty safe in the hardware game, but I don't know. Maybe like I'm thinking 10, 15 years out. I'm not thinking 30, 40 years out right now. All right. All right. Another one for me. Sure. Sure. This one, I, I think it's like already happening. I don't know what to degree this is going to happen more and more. But I think we're going to see the end of live streaming being tied to video games and more of just something that celebrities and personalities do and the gameplay is irrelevant. Um, I don't know. This isn't me saying Twitch is done, right? This is me just saying that I think YouTube, Facebook, all these other companies are going to start to figure out that what people are really watching when they're watching a live stream is an entertainer, right? They're yeah. watching a, and I think once the the wheels start to spin, Hollywood and all these other studios, they understand entertainers. They can market entertainers. They can make entertainers, right? Um, what they can't make is someone who's good at video games, right? And I think we're slowly going to start to see live streaming separated from these video games, or the video game is more of a background thing as the entertainer streamer um is kind of presenting whatever they're going to talk about that day. I, I, you see this kind of with the bigger streamers these days. They'll play a oh, game. They do a lot of like just chatting yeah. streams or even IRL streams. So like years ago, was I crazy. like uh, today. I just saw a clip of like Pokemon walking around Seoul yep. in Korea. Yep. And you're starting to see less and less of it tied to any type of gaming, um, where you know they'll they'll play with their friends for 20 30 minutes they'll do a game for a little bit you know they'll do something goofy or something but then it's just talking to chat you know um and that interactivity i think is a lot easier to sell it's a lot easier to market you don't have to worry about the games because it used to be especially on twitch you know what game do you stream all right okay well you're a wow streamer so you know i'm gonna watch you play wow nine times out of ten and you know, but I'm seeing a lot of people moving away from that, right? And they're doing either variety or just straight up just chatting. Two, three years ago on Twitch, just chatting was kind of a dead, you know, genre or whatever they call it, you know, on Twitch where you look up who's doing what. Now everybody's just chatting. And even it's the big names, it's the big numbers. They're just yeah. sitting around talking to their audience. So once people. I think actually, like, the VTuber revolution was a big part yeah. of this. Uh, because, like, yeah, VTubers still do play lots of video games, don't get me wrong, but a lot of their streams, like, they'll spend the first, I don't know, hour of their stream chatting, and then they'll play a video game, and then they'll do another hour of just, like, reading chat messages. And and that's where I think it's going. I really do. I really get the sense that, like, it's going to be weird. It's almost going to be more odd to see your streamer play a game on Twitch than interacting with the audience. I think it's going to have that exact opposite effect that it used to have. Oh, why? Okay, he's not talking to chat right now. He's he's playing a game. I'm not as interested, right? I see this happen with myself sometimes, and it's weird because I used to only turn it, tune in for game streams, you know, because they were playing a game I was interested in. And I've seen myself less and less do that. Now I'm kind of annoyed when the streamer is playing a game because he's not talking to, to chat, you know? Instead, he's playing whatever, right? 
um, which is weird because that's not what this really started out as, you know? Um, and for a while it was, you get quiet people who are really great at the game, right? They're, they're the best whatever player in the world and you just watch yeah. their gameplay and they don't talk much, but you're like, oh my God, this guy's so good. Who cares, right? Then you started to get the people who were maybe not as good, but they were funny or they had cool insights or whatever, right? And then now like it's like the final revolution is like, man, maybe I'll play a game. I don't know. Maybe I'll play a game today, but I'm just going to hang out and talk to you guys instead. Um, and man, that parasocial relationship builds and builds and builds no matter what, right? So um, I think I think we're not long to, you know, NBC Studios figuring out, you know, how to market some guy on Twitch and make this shit work. But um, that's where I see it going. I think it's the money is just too much for people to just sit there and let people get popular without agency and representation and that kind of stuff. So um, I think you're going to kind of see the death of the homebrew streamer, which is, you know, some funny guy with a mic in his bedroom. And I think I really, really think that it's going to start to be that kind of phonies versus legit type thing that we're so used to. But, um, you know, we know, usually know who lends out and it's the money, right? So um, I don't see any reason why Twitch has to be the only place that has streams. But anybody, they've been very resilient to anybody else trying to get into that space. Um, even with YouTube uh, buying away streamers now, you know? Um, what I think is actually going to happen is that they're going to use existing platforms like YouTube and Twitch. Um, and it's going to be, like, we already have, like, a lot of these people already have rep media representation. Um, we're going to see more media companies kind of get in on this. And, oh, like, eventually big bucks uh like creating new streamers out of basically whole cloth right. and it's going to be exactly what you say that battle of legit versus phonies except for the phonies so-called phonies are going to present themselves as legit yeah. like grassroots people right. and they're going to be it's going to be just like the music industry where people try to ferret out industry yeah, plants. yeah exactly yeah 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 so i think it's harder and harder to do though when you've got you know big streamers who you know they've got they grew their community from nothing um, sometimes, you know, but then, you know, you know how easy you can buy your way to the top of Twitch? It's not hard. It's not even expensive. And then, you know, you're putting in, you know, 10, 15 K viewers doesn't sound like a lot to a lot of numbers, but man, those people who sit there and watch eight, nine ads in a row. That's, that is hard. That is hard to do in this day and age to tell somebody I'm going to get, I mean, men age 18 to 30 to watch 10 ads in a row. They'd be like, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, they would say, you are insane. I mean, the only people who does that is the NFL. But guess what's happening every single day on Twitch, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just going to keep happening. And eventually, I think that you're going to see it be more money, more structured, more everything. And then that's when it's going to kind of start to pivot. I think this is the year where you start seeing top streamers not even playing games, basically. All right. That is a lot to chew on. <laughs> Uh, let me deliver my second prediction. This one concerns Microsoft. Right. And I think I've been saying this every year for the past three years, but this is the year. This is the year. Compulsion's new game will be yeah. revealed this year. <laughs> so Microsoft bought the studio back in 2018 yeah. when they went on that buying spree. They've been working on something for five years. We know it's a third-person action-adventure game. It's the only thing we know about it. It's time to see what they've been working on, right? Like, it's been five years. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like, it's... And what was their last game? We Happy Few in 2018. Um, 
a game that no one liked. Yeah, yeah that's tough. They've got to put out something, yeah. right? Microsoft wouldn't have bought them if they didn't have something. I, I really want to see that something. I kind of wonder because now Microsoft owns Arcane as well, right? So yeah. you've got Arcane delivering Deathloop, which me and you had some opinions on, right? And then you've got Compulsion, which always felt like kind of like like a spin-off of Arcane. And I know they were, right? They were not. They weren't? They're a completely different company. Compulsion is based in Montreal. Hmm. Were they were they owned at some point by Arcane? No, they're an indie studio in Montreal. Um, I think maybe maybe because Arcane's French and yeah. Compulsion no, is located in a French speaking. Thought they had some, but I guess maybe it was just an maybe art they had style some thing. overlap in staff or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, it might be an art style thing. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I I wonder how they fit in into the world of Microsoft these days. But I I actually I like. We happy few more than most. I feel like it really missed on the um, what it was trying to do. But I like contrast a lot. Um, oh yeah, I'm a contrast evangelist. Yeah. That game was not well liked, yeah. but I love that game. Yeah, and I think I think they've got a really cool eye for what looks neat to me, and it, it really always always up my alley. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where Compulsion would even be working on for Microsoft. It seems like they did give a lot of these studios a lot of leeway to work on like legitimate passion product stuff that they wanted to do, right? I mean, I'm not. I don't just mean Pentiment, but also like stuff like Grounded, right? That did not yeah. seem like something that anybody forced them to do, right? That just seems like, hey, we got a cool idea. I love that game. Um, oh, I've, I've been playing yeah. that game with some of my co-op buddies. It's fun as and, hell. You know, so I. I I do think that really hard. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I think Microsoft's making the right types of decisions. With hey, let these studios let them let them have some time to breathe, let them develop the kind of stuff they want. But every now and then, you got to be, you know, come in with a little bit with a harder hand and say, hey, it's been five years. <laughs> Are we getting anything out of you guys or, or no? Um, but yeah, I think as long as you're delivering right now, I think you can definitely get inside the good graces of Microsoft and get a little bit of permission to work with what you want to work on. But I think you've got to actually deliver at some point too. Um, that's always when it gets a little dicey, right? Um, I would guess that they're working on, a, I guess that they're working on a mostly linear third person action adventure game. That's what I would I guess. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, we happy few, maybe not sequel, but kind of like in that kind of vein, you know? Um, yeah. I think like Microsoft doesn't have a lot of those in their uh, in their lineup, right? Um, they don't have games that you would think of as like you know Sony has like their prestige third person action adventure yeah. games. Microsoft doesn't really have that, and I think they could stand to get that. Yeah. So if they think Compulsion is a studio that can deliver them that, then that's great. Um, I'm not sure they are, but I I, I have high hopes. Yeah, I, I think they could get there. They, like I said, those both those games were ambitious, and it's not. I mean, sometimes your ambition doesn't meet your talent, right? But I think they were they were trying to do a lot with it, right? Oh, I think contrast. The only problem with that game is that's janky as yeah. hell. Otherwise, I think it succeeds at everything it sets out to do perfectly well. Yeah. Um, we have a few I can't speak to because I haven't played it. But yeah, they. Good. I mean, it, it, like, it didn't get everything it wanted to get right. It was a little bit kind of ham-fisted you know a little bit what it was trying to do but it wasn't bad um you know and we're saying this in the background also of like microsoft laying off tons and tons of people but you know i do wonder you know 
is there some kind of movement within these studios to kind of like, hey, look, you know, what we kept is for a reason. You got to start delivering some of this stuff, you know? I think five years is probably the limit at which they can yeah. hold off on showing stuff. Off. I agree. Like three, like two, three years when I was like saying, oh yeah, compulsion's got to show something off. That was maybe premature. But the expectations rise with the longer we have to wait, right? So first I was expecting, you know, a double A project out of them. And now I'm expecting AAA. like a full triple yeah. A uh, Sony prestige level spectacle from them. Five years, Can they deliver? We'll see. That's pretty fair. I think too. It's, I, yeah. I think that's pretty fair. Um, let me get my right. third one out of the way. Um, this one, I, I, this might be my wacky one if we're still doing wacky, but I think this one is probably like the furthest in some ways, but also kind of the easiest one. I think we're going to start seeing studios becoming more open to collaborations um, that are substantial. Think like Raving Rabbits or Mario Rabbits, right? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe you're going to start seeing companies being okay with letting other studios outside their own, maybe even control, get a crack with their IP. Um, I think that... Yeah, we saw that with uh, Cadence of Hyrule as mm -hmm. well. And I think the reason is is you don't always know what makes games work, but it would be fun to see this game in this different world, right? And you saw all these kind of studios kind of mishmashed around now, um, and there's no reason that you can't make some of these licensing-type deals work, which is essentially what they are, right? Um, yeah, like you heard about that Halo leak, which... Jason Schreier and Jess Corden say is not before three being the really true. Yeah, the stewards of the Halo, but not the developers. But what if we reopened Halo Wars and gave it to the company Hero Guys? You know what I mean? Like, or like, yeah. There's a lot of options out there for games that don't get explored because the studio just doesn't have the expertise to do it, right? And I can really start seeing a lot of studios letting their guards down, not just because of the Mario Rabbit stuff, right? But also because you're starting to see this like. Hey, what if I stick a near automata, automata, whatever, automata? Yeah. yeah. What if I stick that in your Rainbow Six game? Yeah, sure. Now they've got a deal that you can play as B two in uh, in Rainbow Six. Two B, right? Yeah. Um, what is it? Two B. Yeah, I haven't played it. Yeah. Yet, though. But um, a lot of that kind of a lot of that is happening right now. You're getting Destiny and Fortnite. You're getting Fortnite and Destiny. You're getting um, like. I think Rainbow Six had even more deals. I think PUBG had a near thing as well. I mean, but like, maybe you're starting to see that kind of mix. There was like that big near automata raid in Final Fantasy 14. Right. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think they're alone in saying, look, you know, I, we, this is a cool hit that a lot of people love. And it kind of weirdly makes sense, you know, even in our own universe for these characters to show up. So sure. We'll shop them around. Go ahead and have fun with them. And, yeah, remember Master Chief and Fortnite? Yeah. How the hell did that happen? But sure, go for it. I mean, Fortnite's a great example because they basically have somehow got, they've become like the Lego version where you can stick whatever you want in it, right? And who cares if Superman and X-Men fight? You know, everybody paid their money, right? But I can see that start. Yeah, sure, I'd love to see Goku and Cortana wailing on right, each other. Right. And I think what's good, what's opening the eyes to a lot of these studios is things like Multiversus, right? That WB yeah. games where it's like, holy crap, we own all these IP and we don't do anything with any of them in video games. Why don't we just stick them in a game together? And I think the next step for that is, wow, we all these own all these game IPs. We're not really doing anything with them. Why don't we just let, you know, you know, hey, this studio, you're looking for a project. We've got an idea we want to do with one of our characters. You up for it? You know, 
Um, I think it's like I think we are starting to see those screws loose a bit. Like I don't think like if you if you'd uh, said this eight years ago, I said no, you're out to lunch. But we got a new Monkey yeah. Island game last yeah. year. <laughs> And that's an IP that Disney had jealously guarded for years. Yeah, and at the same time, had not known what to do with it, right? They just protected yeah. the IP. But, you know, at some point, some, you know, some, some guy somewhere is like, this thing could be making money. It's not making any exactly, money. Exactly, yeah. You want it to go make money, yes or no? And if you say yes, well, look, hey, you know, there's 10 million studios who have figured out the Monkey Island formula since Monkey Island was a thing. You loan the IP to one of them. They make the game. They, they create a positive image. And the thing gets more popular instead of less, right? Which is important in this day and age, right? Um, yeah. And also on top of that, hey, guess what? You get a good game out of it, you make money rather than just exactly on an like IP. Disney probably made a pretty penny off Return to Monkey Island, which was well received. And there's there's so many examples of that out there. If you start to look around about these like little, yeah. you know, who owns this? This thing's in hell. People have been clamoring for a No One Lives Forever game for as long as I can remember. No one knows who owns it. Well, you know what? Someone owns it. Why don't we just say we're just going to make a new one? Whoever sues us, sues us to see what happens. And the, I mean, that would be great, but I think that's the case that I think that's point, a dead bear franchise, it, right? Court says who owns? It. Okay, well now, would you rather make some money off of No One Lives Forever or no money off of No One Lives Forever, right? So it's, you know, I'm not saying that would be a wise business decision, especially if you put a lot of game development into it. But um, it's it's really weird. I mean, I would love for that business decision yeah, to be yes. made. Go I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> But, like, there's a reason I don't run companies. Yeah. I would run every single one into the ground. I would just love, though, to, to like, you know, like, it seems so no-brainer to me. And there's, I'm guessing there's some types of reasons for some of these games, but people have been clamoring for stuff forever, and there's studios out there who would be a perfect fit that are making that type of game, but that, that game is just not being made, and it's it's frustrating. And I know, you know, a lot of times, hey, would you rather make your own IP or would you rather work within our own studios? But sometimes the fit is just the fit, you know, and if you can make it work and you can sell it on me, I bet you Ubisoft's one big hit in the past, what, 10 years has been that, you know, I mean, not one big hit, but like uh, that wasn't an Assassin's Creed, a Far Cry, a, you know what I mean? One of the, the Ubisoft regulars has been the, the Mario Rabbit stuff, right? I mean, that was a critical. I mean, darling. they did follow that up. Yeah. yeah. Kingdom Battle did really well. Sparks of Hope apparently yeah. undersold, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm part of the. I'm not part of the problem. I bought the game. I still haven't played oh, it yet. Definitely not part uh, of the problem. You bought it, but yeah, you, you get what I'm saying though. Like that, I think yeah. people are going to start looking around and saying, "Well, hey, it's not a big deal that we put Master Chief in Fortnite, right?" So, I mean, what if we don't like that? Didn't compromise the nope. integrity of the Halo not franchise, <laughs> you know? So, what if we just say, "Hey, you know what? What are you guys doing for the next Fortnite season?" All right, well, you know, you want to do some more with halo you want to put it in you want to have a whole game mode you want to go for it you know and it's that's where i think we're going to start eventually getting is is kind of are these game system sellers probably you know but i don't think microsoft cares and i don't think sony's going to play ball anyway uh, besides pc but otherwise man just start selling these games left and right let's get more good games out of some of these ips rather than someone sitting on them so no one else can make one you know absolutely i'm hoping you know what? It's time for a new Quake. Yeah. Like a new genuine Quake with a single-player yeah. campaign. Make that yeah. happen. Uh, and there's no way Bethesda, you know, couldn't be the ones to do it, especially with the way the Dooms have been running, right? So, Exactly. Id, yeah. you're, I don't know what Id's working yeah. on these days. Come on, Id. Make for a new sure. Quake. I, Why not? I have no clue. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, John. Car- I mean, John Carmack no longer yeah, works for I, I have no idea what he's doing but, these days. You know. Yeah. All right. What's Carmack's your third? a special soul. Um, this one is both a Sony and Nintendo one, and this might be really spicy. I think Marvel's Spider-Man Two is going to go toe to toe with Legends of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom in Game of the Year contests at Games Video. Really, Video. Game of the, the Year, of the year. contest, huh? Yeah. Hmm. I think Tears of the Kingdom is going to be like the shoe in to win yeah, Game of the Year at I, the Game I was Awards. More surprised about the Spider-Man angle of it because I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm alone here, but I th- I kind of felt like I was playing Batman a lot of times when I was playing Spider-Man. Um, oh, I didn't even play Marvel oh, Spider-Man. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm basing this just off hype yeah. and uh, statements that have been made. I think what Insomniac, for all their flaws as a developer, is I think really good at taking taking what worked or what didn't work from previous titles and like learning from it and iterating on what they built. Like, Miles Morales is like an, something that iterated on Marvel Spider-Man. Um, Marvel Spider-Man Two, I think, is going to iterate on Miles Morales and Marvel Spider-Man One, and be something bigger and better than either of those games. That, like maybe Game of the Year voting or voters, or I mean, not just you know, Game of the Year kind of means something to everybody else. But don't you kind of feel like they're so conditioned now for that big, dramatic Sony? third-person action-adventure that it would be hard for something like a pure action game to win? I mean, I think it is going to have those um, cinematic elements. I think it's going to have all those narrative elements that people really like while also being an open-world game. I'm thinking of it like like kind of like how Ghost of Tsushima had that all those cinematic elements, but was also like a really dope open-world action-adventure game. I I think they could pull it off. I mean, I'm probably not going to play it because I don't have a PS5 and I'm not planning to get one. But I think they can pull off making a really good uh, Spider-Man I would love game. It. I mean, I would love if, if a straight-up... Like, like, you know, like... Uh, I, I'm trying to think about this as almost like an Oscars thing, but I love it when genre movies win. I love it when genre games win. It's the same kind of thing. I I get it. The best game of the year probably was Elden Ring or, or you know, um, God of War, one of those two. I get it, but like sometimes you want the weirdo game that broke a lot of molds to win instead of the thing that you already feel like there's too much of, right? Um, oh, I had my fingers crossed for Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles Three, knowing full well it had no chance. That's a good example, um, right? Like, I mean, that that is a a proud of itself genre game right there. You know, I mean, that is a game that not only broke kind of the mold for what gets voted on as game of the year, but also broke the mold for its own yeah. genre like it's a very weird jrpg so like yeah i i fully agree i want more of those mold breaking games to be in that conversation uh i think marvel spider-man 2 is going to be very much in that sony prestige mold but i also think it's time for i, I also think it's going to do something a little bit different i don't think it's going to be just like you know, here's Spider-Man, you're slinging webs, you're yeah. flying across New York City doing whatever Spider-Man does. Um, I think it's going to have something a little bit more to it than that. Um, but again, I'm saying this is someone who hasn't played the first Marvel Spider-Man, so I might be completely <laughs> out to lunch here. Um, do you have any more predictions? Nope, those were my three. I, I, I think I'm, 
I think there's a pretty fair chance Switch 2's announced this year. I don't think it's coming out, obviously, but I think announced. I th- yeah, I, I don't think you're completely out to lunch with that one. I can see it happen. I, I think the streaming is kind of more of a foregone conclusion than a prediction, but I think this. I think when you start to watch, like track the hours of who's streaming what, I th- bet you are yeah. going to see a lot of dips in gaming. So I feel pretty good about mine. And then, uh, All the, right, the I got one like, I feel good about too. Yes. For sure. I got one more sure. prediction, and this one concerns Ubisoft. Uh oh. I think Ubisoft is going to shutter one of its studios. Yeah, this year. I, well, that's a, yeah. I think that's a very strong prediction. Which one, Shanghai? You think? I think Shanghai is going to stay, um, but my guess would be Pune, mm. uh, because Pune has was the studio that was on the Sands of Time remake. They're lead developers. They're pulled off that game uh, because it just wasn't coming together. Yeah. Uh, so, like, just to give a bit of context here, Ubisoft has not has been unique among a lot of tech firms uh, in that it hasn't done mass yeah. layoffs. Like, the only other firm I can think of in that boat is Apple. Apple has not done mass layoffs. Um, you know, I, and I wanted to one thing about those layoffs too is you know there was a little bit of controversy with I can't say his name, but you don't know talk about the CEO kind of saying, hey, the ball's in your court, right? There's a lot of... Eve Kimo, yeah. yeah. And I get why there would be controversy, but I also get what he's saying in a, in a bit of a way. Like, we're, we've trusted you guys. We didn't fire. We didn't do mass layoffs. We're, we're standing by you and developing these games still. We need you guys to deliver, you know, the types of games that we've, you know, more or less become famous for. So I don't... I think it was a gaffe maybe in, you know, saying it the way he said it, but I also do kind of get where he's coming from. Like for a while now they've kind of delivered these secondhand experiences you know that feel reminiscent of themselves a lot of times um i think i think that's the kind of message that should be directed towards management more so than the rank and file though um because ubisoft's problems have been with management with management not taking care of uh issues relating to labor abuse or harassment at their studios uh, with management f- undermining workers and like nixing great ideas. I like that is the cultural problem that Ubisoft has. And I think that is where Gimo should be kind of addressing his concerns rather than saying, all right, poor animator yeah. work double hard. You're like, bad animating is why we're losing. Yeah. Like I get, and like, don't get me wrong. I think Ubisoft has been surprisingly good to its workers from the perspective of not laying them off. But I think, like, I don't know. I'm going to, like, kind of betray my opinions here. I think that should be just, like, the baseline standard. Yeah. Like, I don't think firms should be laying their expertise off because, the, like, you're just hamstringing yourself in the end. You have, you're going to have to hire that expertise back later all these talented people are going to go work in some other software industry and like make accounting software or spreadsheet software or whatever and make bigger bucks doing it. So you're throwing away the expertise and then you got to go train up new people to replace the people you fired because you couldn't keep them on through lean times. And Ubisoft has at least done that in keeping them on through lean times. Uh, They famously don't churn employees. They send them to like, a blank room where I guess they do professional quote unquote professional development for a few weeks until they can get on to their next project. It's kind of like weird and demoralizing and almost a little bit dystopian, but at least they're not getting fired. Yeah. 
Well, right? I hope Red Storms. Uh, that's our local Ubi. I hope they hang in there. They, they're they're yeah, more like uh, a support studio at this point, but they were doing the VR Sam Fisher game. I think that a lot of people were initially excited about and then kind of disappointed, and then everybody hates VR. So I think I, I understand why that one got canceled maybe more than the other ones. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really weird. And they've got a couple of games out that I'm interested in, you know, and it's, I, I don't know how to fix, I don't know how to fix the idea that they're coming out with seven out of 10, eight out of 10 games, but people are just sick of them. I don't know how you fix that. That's really weird. It's like this ice cream's too good all the time. You know what I mean? Um, I think like it's part of that is just not predicting trends in the market, like not chasing I think a lot how about this I think it's, it's not exactly complacency it's more like they didn't try to find the next big thing right but if I told they, you I think the best Assassin's Creed I ever played was Valhalla right like I think a lot of people are like oh you're, no I think it's the best one I've ever played and like I think a lot of people would disagree right, with right. that but that's like, the problem if you tried to like quantify why do I think it was bad it would read like a list of too much of good things, basically, right? It was too long. It had too much. But that, well, wait, don't you like stealth assassination mission? This game has more than any other one. Like, it, it, I think it's a lot of. I think it's also fatigue, right? right? Like, I've already, I already did this for a hundred hours in Origins, and then another hundred hours in Odyssey. Do I really right, want to do right. this for another hundred hours in Valhalla? Well, I'd say, why do you even buy the right, game? Then, then, exactly. Right? But, and then from a business perspective, right? Well, we just gave them more of what they just told us they liked, but they don't like it now <laughs> you see what i mean like that would drive me crazy if i was like you know some type of like focus group guy and it's like wait you told us this is all the stuff you like it's made up 95 percent of this game and but you don't like it you know it, it, yeah because they're yeah. tired of it now and I, I think that's fair people taste change the market moves on like that happens um, without an assassin's creed then that year and just say well this will let a certain percentage of people get untired of this I mean, I think you put out that Assassin's Creed, but I think you also have to put out something that isn't an open-world action-adventure game, uh, which they've been... They've been kind of getting there. You know what I mean? like They failed to do for many years. So we'll see what happens. I I think you're right. I think one of them is going to... I thought Shanghai, but we'll see which one it is. I would say if it's going to be a Chinese studio, I think Chengdu. Shanghai's been... uh, Shanghai was established, I think, back in '96. It's been there for a while. Yeah. Uh, Chengdu is a little bit newer. I just think in I terms think of what they've been working support on. Studio, they're a support studio. They mostly do localization work. I think they can go. Yeah. What about, I mean, because you've got uh, Beyond Good and Evil, right? Where's yeah. that going? I don't know what studio is working mm-hmm. on it. Um, my guess that's probably based in France because that's where Michel Ancel was mm-hmm. based out of. But now that Ancel has been... Let's say uh, politely dismissed for being "quote unquote" difficult. Um, Now that he's he's no longer in the picture, I think they can move it around anywhere. But probably the team that was working on it is France based. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough because I'm hoping I'm hoping Red Storm hangs in there. They've made my favorite games ever, and they're my local local boys along with Epic, right? But them kind of catching the vr short stick i would say um yeah in a lot of ways i i god i mean 
I feel like VR is a dead end. I've always have. I'd be love for them to be the ones who prove me wrong, though. But um, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what how you make ninety percent of the stuff that they work on work in VR. Um, but sure, I got my, maybe they'll find yeah, a way. It, it just seems like every year has been the year for VR since you know, twenty twelve, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So those are our predictions for the year. Let us spend uh, the last little bit of this podcast talking about games that we are anticipating in 2023. Uh, like, I've got a huge list of games. I made a list of over 100 games that I might be interested in this year. I'm not even going to play... I'm going to play like a tenth of those games in the end. Uh, I've only got 50. But... <laughs> <laughs> only 50, 50. only 50. No, I mean, these are kind of like the ones that like, you know, when you go through the list, they pop out to you. And you're like, yeah, this is one. I mean, I could definitely see myself paying for, I guess, or, you know, I'll download it on Game Pass or something like that. Yeah, the game I'm actually most looking forward to is the Plucky Squire. Do you, do you remember that trailer when it dropped yeah. and it looked really charming? Yeah. It's got that mixture of like, 2D platforming and 3D platforming, but also it's got almost like that some like mini game stuff where it's kind of like your top down yeah, action RPG, and it's got um, like a fighting game in there too. It was like, yeah, it kind of felt like a like a Sunday morning after or a cartoon type show, right? Like yeah, Toy Story almost. Exactly. Yeah. I I think it looks really dope. I would love another, like you know me, I like my 3D yeah. platformers. I. I don't think it's doing anything super original, like that 2D, 3D transition thing. Super Mario Odyssey did that. Um, and it looks a lot like it takes two, but single player. But you know what? Both of those are great yeah. games. If you want to if you want to steal, steal from the best, right? This is a game where the art style gets me excited about playing it. Not like, okay, it's another pixel art. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just doing just enough to remind you of something you're nostalgic for. This looks like a legitimately cool art style that I could get into. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's the thing you're anticipating? I'm going to sound like an idiot when I say this, but damn it, that Transformers game. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just in my mind so much. Reactivate. I had to get 100. Reactivate. I keep rem- for, like I keep forgetting what it's called. There is something about that hook that they've got in there where it's like one, like one of my favorite settings is not post-apocalyptic. It's like mid-apocalyptic. I don't know how else to describe it, right? The apocalypse is going on. Like we need something to stop it, right? It's like the kind of feeling that like Terminator always toyed with, but then they tried to do it and felt like shit, right? Um, so I think kind of like Pacific yeah, Rim. Yeah, exactly. Like this is it. Like, you know, like we're fighting right now for survival. And, you know, on the other end of this is Fallout, but we're not there yet. That setting for a Transformers has me really, really intrigued. That's what it looks like, at least. I might be totally wrong. I'm going off like a two-minute clip, right? Um, there's been yeah. some leak stuff. I've been following it. Um, I found a little screenshot where there's like a paper doll, and there's like weapons with like stats and values. I'm like, yeah, I can really get into this, you know? Um, I, I don't know why. Like, we talked about this last time when it was announced at E3, but Transformer games and Transformers movies are like two opposite ends of the spectrum for me, right? Like, Basically, the games have been nothing but hits, and the movies have been nothing but stinkers for so long. And the movie kind of fixed that with Bumblebee a little bit, right? Like, which was a, a reboot. So I'm wondering where this game goes. But yeah, um, it's the one game that I want to kind of see. And it might not even be a 2023 game, honestly. Uh, we know next to nothing about it. But it's the one game that, like, I feel like I'm more intrigued to learn more about. And I don't know what it's about at all. And I think that's probably a good thing to be 
for a lot of games right now where the other stuff is like I can guess what it's kind of going to be and I'm just hoping it's what stuff I like and not bad basically do you know what studio is working on yeah. it okay because I was wondering if it's one of the studios that has experience working with Transformers like um, like Fall of Cybertron War for Cybertron those were all games that came out and were well received mm-hmm. um, so if it's a studio that's worked on Transformers license before I think um, well, you know, there's reason to be excited, though, but like, also in some ways, some of those Transformers games built the studios as they came up around it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Moon, I think that's who made the the first couple, right? Um, like they. Do you mean New Moon or High, High Moon? Moon? I think it was High Moon. I think you're right. Yeah, High Moon. Yeah. New Moon was like oh, the horror. Uh, <laughs> it's just stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, like they kind of came up around them, and I think they were just doing like ports and localizations before and then they kind of got really into it um from there you know so i could see transformers being kind of um is it revival and i'm questioning myself um i could really see it kind of being something that um you know i I would be really interested in getting into if if it's the kind of deep customization transformers game i've always wanted you know so i'm looking at this now um the developers are uh, Splash oh, Damage yeah. and Bulkhead Interactive. Splash Damage is very solid. Um, that's a good sign if it's going to be a shooter, I'll tell you that. Um, they're the enemy What did Splash guys. Damage make? Okay. And Bulkhead are the people who made the Turing mm, Test. Okay. Well, that's kind of an interesting collab then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because Turing Test is like a first-person yeah, puzzle. Splash Damage did uh, Gears of War 4 multiplayer, too. Um, okay. And they're... That's a really interesting right. mix. If it's like a Transformers game that has kind of more exploratory, like almost narrative adventure kind of elements and environmental puzzling, I think that could be it, really neat. Like yeah. using the Transformers powers to solve puzzles. Sure, they, give me they've that. Got, I mean, Splash Damage has a pretty interesting studio history if you look into it. They had two bombs, which you'll probably know right away, Brink. And I think Brink oh, yeah. <laughs> weirdly a little ahead of its time. I like I played a lot of Brink when it came out, and I was like, people aren't going to get this. And they didn't. That's not a surprise. 2011, people were still very much into like the Call of Duty Halo-type shooter, right? They were not ready for what Brink was bringing. And they also had Dirty Bomb, which was a great, great, great game that just never kind of caught on. That's kind of like a free-to-play hero shooter, kind of in the Team Fortress Spain a little bit. But um, yeah. And then they wanted to do, like, Gears 4, Gears 5, Master Chief. They've done a lot of spec work for Microsoft, I guess, but um, a really interesting studio. And so if they're involved, I'm, I'm way more interested. Um, and then... Uh, oh, yeah, they did Gears Tactics. Yeah. Uh, oh, neat. They've been kind of all over yeah. the map. Oh, huh, this could be really oh, interesting. I, I, you know, I think people are going to think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, there's potential. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is crazy at all. I think this is worth being exciting about excited about sorry um let me name yeah. another one i am really pumped for master detective archives rain mm. code i'm saying this as a big fan of danganronpa and this is made by not within spike chunsoft though they're publishing it it's made by a studio led by uh the danganronpa writer kazutaka kodaka and he's br- brought with him a lot of that team over to his new studio tukio games uh including the artist for Danganronpa, uh, Rui Komatsuzaki, and composer Masafumi Takada. So it 
like they've unveiled this. The art looks very Danganronpa-esque. The music is very Danganronpa-esque, but the gameplay looks very different. Instead of being like this visual novel with first-person exploration segments, it's like a third-person detective game. Now, just gathering from you, I've always known the gameplay is what you don't like usually about the series, right? So is this exciting for you? Uh, is this you're more worried? What are you thinking? Oh, I, I'm one of the weird people who likes the oh, gameplay really? of the okay. Dongarampa series, <laughs> but you've probably heard from other yeah, people yeah. that the, the gameplay isn't that great and they're in it for the story. I totally get that. I'm I'm broken inside. I like the crappy mini games that everyone else hates. Um, but here it's a little different because you are going to be walking around, solving a mystery, doing your third-person adventure game stuff, and then you're also going to have some of that wacky minigame nonsense like the Danganronpa Trials just in like more of a dark fantasy setting rather than like your high school battle royale kind of setting. Okay. So I think I think this looks really neat. I like the art style they're going for. I like that neon drenched almost vaguely cyberpunky thing they're doing but it's mixed with gothic. It's like gothic cyberpunk. Okay. Uh, I really like what they're doing that here. That sounds really cool actually. Yeah. Uh, what's another game? Oh, man. This this one, I think, I don't know what I'm expecting from it, but I'm I'm hoping it it's it lives anywhere near as close as my memory of the original did, and that's Space Marine Two. Um, I had so much fun with Space Marine One. It feels like a game out of time, though. I don't know how possibly they could live up to my own. Um, my own uh memories of space marine itself but yeah i'm i'm really kind of curious um where it goes because when did the when did the last warhammer 40k space marine come out oh man it must have been like 2007 let me see yeah because it's been a while yeah it has been i know it was an xbox 360 2011 man way i'm way off I know it was an Xbox uh, 360 game, but yeah, I thought but, it was earlier. Yeah, over uh, a decade is still yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the 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 play style of this game is something that nobody's ever really been able to catch up to, and I lo- one, love one thing about it. There's no like regenerating health or regenerating shields. If you want to regenerate, you got to go fight, and it feels very Warhammery, right? Um, so, yeah. There's a skull in Halo that does yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I really like that idea. Um, but I, I don't know where they're going to go f- with some of these ideas. It does feel like a little bit like it feels a little bit like some of the ideas of Warhammer have kind of faded in time because it had a lot of um, like the multiplayer was very like paper, rock, scissors. This class beats this class, this class beats this class. But I think overall the goal for it is going to probably be just just make the multiplayer feel just good enough. But I'm really looking forward to a story that just lets me fight as a space marine that just kills everything. Um, you know, see where that goes. But um, a lot of fun memories of that game. And that was the, one of the last that I can remember, at least sh- uh, single-player, shootery type campaigns that I really ended up enjoying up until Titanfall 2, probably. I think this is actually going to be a big year for the single-player third-person mm-hmm. shooter because we're also getting Scars Above this year. We're getting Sin Duality. Uh, we're getting Wanted yeah. Dead. Stalker? Like, this is Stalker the f- too, right? Is- Stalker's first is person. It? Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, we're also getting a lot of first-person yeah. shooters this year. We're getting uh, Sulaco. We're getting Stalker 2. Um, gosh, I listed a bunch of others. Uh, Atomic Heart. Oh, Atomic Heart. I think that it is going to be. We'll, we'll get yeah. to that next. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the next one I was going to mention is Atomic yeah. Heart. Um, I'm excited to get like this Bioshocky kind of shooter, but with a different aesthetic instead of like uh, Art Deco or yeah. like that turn of the millennium a Disneyfied Americana, uh, not turn of the millennium, turn of the century, uh, Disneyfied Americana. Sick of Art Deco, doesn't it? Like it was a style I thought yeah. I'd never get sick of. Now I'm like, all right, do something else. <laughs> yeah. So we're now we're doing like retro futuristic Soviet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down for that. Give me some of that. Like the last time I had that aesthetic shown to me was, do you remember this old, uh, like this, uh, from early last decade cradle? Do you remember yeah. that Russian yeah. game cradle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's that. what it's reminding like me a of. Time mechanic, didn't it? Uh, I don't think it had a time mechanic, but I think the story involved time travel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. We're that was a. I love the aesthetic of it. that game. Was janky as hell, and it was like broken to hell and back. But I love the aesthetic it had, and I yeah, would love yeah. to revisit a game with that aesthetic. Yeah. Sometimes you know, it's, sometimes it's tough when, to give up on a game that had such a cool idea, you know. Um, but yeah, I remember this game. Yeah, I actually played it all the way through. I think I, I was really stubborn with it. I think I consulted a walkthrough only once because I was really stubborn and I'm like, I'm gonna do this game by myself. Um, that was probably a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm really interested in seeing where a lot of those types of games go. Um, there was one where it was like it was another Russian game where I can't remember exactly what it was something to do with Tesla and you were going like shifting through time portals and stuff like that. It felt like um, a little bit of like a precursor to the Titanfall campaign. There's there's a lot of those little weird tell a story with the shooter games and I don't know Bioshock of course is probably the, the best example. And we are getting a new System Shock this year, aren't we? Is that uh, we're getting this a, year next year? I, so there are two things being worked on. There's a System Shock 1 remake and an actual System Shock That's 3 right, yeah. that is being helmed by Warren Spector. Mm, okay. I don't know if I am more or less excited about this. I think Warren Spector is one of the most thoughtful people in the world of uh, video games. I also think he doesn't know how to run That's a project. That's kind of what I mean. Like The odds of it getting actually released like decrease with his involvement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Smart guy. I don't think he should be managing. Yeah. Politics. I can get you what you mean. Um, I'm just going to read maybe like three or four more, more of mine. See if any strike you as something you'd be interested in. Um, Starfield, of course, uh, the new, yeah, I think I could be interested in that. The new settlers. Um, Dungeons okay. four arc two, not for me, but I, I'm glad for you. <laughs> Uh, Lord of the Rings: Return to Moria. I had yeah, heard of this, this one. What's that one all about? It's a survival game um, based in Lord of the Rings, so I'm already halfway on board, right? But you are the dwarves restoring Moria to its former glory. Um, but think huh. survival game in terms of like, I don't know, like like something like a um, like Rust type thing, right? Uh, okay. It looks really cool, um, and you know I. I of all the stuff I love, Lord of the Rings, the dwarves to me are just the coolest. I don't know why, um, but I just like that idea. And 
being able to, um, you know, Moria is such a cool <laughs> um, spot. And I think in the series, I want to say like the doors basically disappear back underground and they, they fix Moria at some point. Um, but yeah, I could really, really, really get into this one if it's a survival crafting game based in Lord of the Rings around dwarves basically trying to return to their home. Um, that's got a lot of promise for me. For sure. I like, I'm even imagining something kind of like grounded, obviously with a completely different tone, mm -hmm. but that kind of survival crafting, uh, thing where instead of, uh, instead of like giant spiders, it's whatever, uh, horrible creatures live deep underground. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, recover Moria, but at the same time, who knows what you're digging into. Um, and there was a very fun game that I was Oh yeah, you could put digging yeah. in this. It yeah, could it, it could be like a cross between I'm thinking now of like a cross between grounded and deep yeah. rock. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. There was also a game that came out not too long ago that I really enjoyed called Dwarf Dwarfheim. I think it was Dwarfheim that I really enjoyed as well. Um so yeah, this one is kind of on my radar for something I'm very interested in. Um the last one I was gonna mention um was I, this one kind of feels a little bit cheap to even mention, but um, I think I'd be interested in Diablo 4 only if Microsoft buys out Blizzard. I think I can stomach it that way. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, I think it's going to be... I don't think the deal's going to close yeah. this year. I think it's going to close early next year. I think it will close. I think they will get their way eventually. Um, I think they'll give a few more concessions to both... Uh, the United States and the uh, EU. Uh, and once those concessions are made, I think the merger will go through. Uh, but it's it's going to be a bit of yeah, a battle. It just, it just seems think. more palatable be to support Activision, Blizzard, Microsoft than Activision, Blizzard. Um, just, just the way it is right now, you know? They really need to dump Kodak yeah. at the oh, first I, opportunity. I'm... I don't imagine him and Phil Spencer existing in the same place for some reason. But the other part of it is, I mean, just the fact that they haven't been union busting and have instead been allowing unions both at like Microsoft proper now. And, um, you know, even with the layoffs and stuff, it's like Activision still kind of fighting yeah. it, but Microsoft has signed that labor yeah, neutrality yeah. agreement, which I, I, I don't think people, I, I, I can't, it's, it's impossible, I think, to overemphasize how important this is in terms of U.S. labor. Microsoft, for years, was famously anti-union, and they just reversed that in, like, one yeah. second for the sake of making the uh, Activision acquisition appear more palatable to regulators. If that's what it was going to take to make unionization possible at one of the biggest tech firms in the world, fine yeah. i'll take it yeah and I, I mean i who knows because i i don't see amazon ever doing the same you know so um yeah it's it's kind of a weird spot right now there's so many good potential you know things that can happen but it's just it's, everything feels like you're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting but um diablo 4 i'm interested in. i love diablo they made a lot of weird mistakes with three um that kind of pushed me away from the game rather than into it more um, but I mean, I could always come back for a four. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it with, with just Activision getting paid by it though. It seems kind of scummy. I'm kind of like, I'm not, uh, I'll never buy a game by a company type person usually. Um, but everything that's been coming out of there just doesn't seem like the kind of place I'd want to support. 
For sure. Uh, I'll just rattle off uh, the last few games that I'm interested in. Uh, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Backfire, well, actually a week. Backfire Wall, uh, which is like this first-person puzzle adventure game that kind of looks tonally a bit like the Stanley mm. Parable. I'm also a sucker for anything that's set inside a computer, so looks good. <laughs> uh, Skin Deep, which is the new game from yeah. Blendo, Brendan Chung's studio. Uh, they did... Gravity Bone, 30 Flights of Loving, Quadrilateral Cowboy. This they've been taking their time developing. And I just really like Immersive Sims. It's probably one of my favorite genres. I'm really interested to see what their take on Immersive Sim is. Uh, Venba, which is a narrative adventure cooking game uh, centered around a South Asian uh, immigrant family, specifically South Indian. my origins are North Indian, so not the same kind of cuisine or culture, but I mean, there's some cultural overlap, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the cuisine's very different. Uh, that being said, I love South Indian cuisine. <laughs> um, so, like, anytime I get to eat dosas and sambar, I am happy as a clam. So, uh, I'm really excited for this just because I, I, I like learning more about yeah. food. There's. Yeah, I, I I tried a cooking simulator game once, and I was like, uh, is this actually teaching me to cook or not? But <laughs> the answer was pretty it teaches much you about well. ingredients, yeah. though, right? Yeah. Um, another one I'm interested in is High Water. Yeah. It's the upcoming game from Demagogue, who made Golf Club Wasteland. It's another game set in that universe, and I love the vibes they create. So I never played this I'm one, but this one looked really goofy and fun. Like, uh, it's turn-based, right? High water, or yeah. golf club wasteland. High water, it's it's like water uh, world the game, right? Sort of. I don't think it's turn based. I think oh, okay. it's a, a narrative adventure. Okay. Golf club wasteland is kind of like a turn based platformer, okay. if that makes any sense. Uh, because you're like it's a two D golf game, but it's on like the horizontal plane, so you're kind of like head on viewing the golf, and you're like platforming with golf shots so that's why i call it a turn-based platformer um i'm also interested in the new avatar oh game. man there you go yeah i could see it being Frontiers good i mean i really could i i'm just itching for a new open world yeah. game i want to like i want to play a good open world game i want to feel good about playing an open world action adventure because i tried just cause four last yeah. year and that game was boring as hell like that should be you're just blowing shit up all the time that should be fun how do they manage to make blowing shit up boring i don't know but like i want to play a good open world action adventure game we know that ubisoft is capable of making these i love the world of pandora i love hanging out with freaky deaky alien life just make it happen man i i want this game to be good and finally, I am looking forward to Blue Protocol, which is the new upcoming, I guess, MMO-ish game from Bandai Namco. It's basically just like Genshin Impact, but done better and with brown people in it. <laughs> Genshin still being around feels weird. It feels like the kind of thing that would have, you know what I mean? Like yeah. died already? I mean, I've logged into it a couple of times Maybe like have I logged into it this year? Like I play Genshin 
once a month. I log in for like an hour and mess around and like advance the story a tiny bit. I'm not one of those players who's like, like absolutely needs to go in and do <laughs> yeah. my dailies. Like you're logging in every day to get the 1% whatever roll to whatever. Like I was yeah. doing that for a while. I was playing Genshin every day and then eventually just kind of got bored of it. And that's not, I don't want that to come across as a criticism of Genshin Impact. I think there's a limit to how long a game could hold your Yeah, attention. that's what I mean. Like, it, it just, I, I know they're always constantly putting stuff new out there. It's just, it's interesting that they haven't really talked about, like, a two or anything. Because it's been around, what, three or four years now, huh? Yeah. Um, I think they're just going to keep it going yeah, for live service. as long as it's going to go. Uh, but... I can see myself replacing Genshin entirely with Blue Protocol if Bandai Namco pulls it off uh, because I actually get to create my own character. uh... And there's more than just the palest to pale skin tone available. God, they, like, there's a big controversy um, over Genshin late last year because they released a new region that was kind of based around. India and the Middle East. Oh yeah, I remember you mentioned but that. But yeah. they didn't change the they, they didn't put like darker skin tones in the game, and it got kind of controversial. Um, I, I like I'm not going to get into the the whole uh, history and complications surrounding colorism and shadism and racism in India. That's a whole complicated contra- uh, conversation that I don't want to unpack right now. But I think. In the modern day, if you're putting out a an MMO with a global audience, you can't really whiff on yeah. that stuff. Um, MMOs so, especially, I I think that's yeah that's the thing. People want to identify with the character that they're going to be inhabiting at that kind of level, long term. You know, um, if you're really trying to convince me, look, we're telling the specific story about this specific person, maybe. But I think even that's even lazy. But an MMO is very hard to uh to sell me on that yeah so i think if you're gonna do that you probably want to have and like even throughout the world i think you it just looks more interesting to have like this diversity uh, of representation throughout the world um and like i think how i put this i think for a while there was kind of this in my view somewhat unfair perception that um developers in asia just didn't get it like, they didn't have anyone with their ear to the ground here that would tell them, hey, you know, diversity is something that's important and that they're really insular. And, like, a lot of these games coming out of Asia, just, like, they did get the memo. So it, it feels really weird for Genshin to not get it. And I don't think you can use the excuse that, oh, they're a Chinese developer and they don't know any better. Like, they, they're a global developer. They could have their ear to the ground on this. And, like, Bandai Namco and Square Enix have done fine in this regard with their, like, globally oriented games. So, like, it does feel like if you're, if you're kind of, like, to give Hoyoverse the pass here feels a little bit strange to me. But I don't know. Um, so yeah, Blue Protocol, it actually, like, it even looks great. I, you know me, I'm, I'm a stupid weeaboo. I love me some, like, good-ass looking anime characters doing flashy combos and stuff. Like, that's, that's my bread and butter. Um, so I'm super excited <laughs> for that. So before we call this podcast to a close, 
I thought we'd bring back one of the games we played two years ago when we did our first recording of the year of 2021, which was Andy Tuttle's Will This Game Get Delayed game. So credit to Andy Tuttle for coming up with this because it was a lot of fun when we did it uh, two years ago. So the way it's going to work, I'm going to name a game that's slated for 2023 or doesn't have a confirmed release year yet. Uh, you tell me the percentage chance that it comes out this year. All right. All right. Let's start with Alan Wake. How likely do you think it comes? Alan Wake Two. Sorry. Uh, How likely do you think it comes out this 75. year? Seventy-five. Seventy-five. Yeah, I, I, I'm going with seventy-five as well. Arc Two. Uh, Ninety-five. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with All ninety. Right. Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon. This one, I think, I'm going to go sixty. Sixty. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm going to go 60 as well. <laughs> because I think that FromSoft has been, I think, pretty good about not delaying games, but also they'll announce things and then not reveal release yeah. dates. So if they're, I think they've officially announced this is slated to come out this year. I think they must be pretty Yeah, and I think it. this one has more of a chance to delay than some of their other ones because they're going to, they said they're trying, they're not going to make it a Souls like, but they're going to try to incorporate Souls like features. And I think sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. It might need a little bit more time to actually pull it together. Okay, yeah, I can see that. You've convinced me. I, I was going to go back up to like 70, <laughs> but no, you've convinced me. 60 is good. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Remember, this was slated to come out in 2022. Come out. This is coming out or somebody somebody's losing a studio. I got I got to think this is like a 90. I'm going to go 80 because they've said it's a fiscal year 2023 mm, okay. which ends in 2024. Gotcha. So, I can I can see it slipping to early 2024 if they needed to make if they need some more time in the oven. But I don't think it's getting delayed past March 2024. It's in early access, some form of early access right now, but Baldur's Gate 3, full release. Do you think it makes it this year? (sighs) Tricky. I don't. I think I'm going to give it like 40% that it leaves early access. I think people have been very enamored with the first bit of the game, but every it seems like kind of lately the news has been where's this, where's that, you talked about this, you talked about that, and I feel like there's been a little bit of a, a creep to it that I think I think they're going to keep it in the early access window until it's all 100% feature complete. I think I can see that. I'm going to give it a 50. Because, you know, there's really no reason to push a game out of early access anymore. You know, it can live in there for years. It's obvious Steam doesn't care. You know, um, there's a lot of games there, and I think it's already been a solid seller, right? Um, you know, in early access, so I don't think they're they're feeling the pinch to get it out the door. Yeah, as long as it keeps generating sales, I don't think they're too worried. What will be worrying is if they run out of people who are willing to buy it yeah, in early access, yeah. and then. The infusion of capital stops for like what right. do we do now. I think it's even gone on sale in early access, which is kind of interesting, you know. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, Blue Protocol. Um, man, Bandai Namco is kind of weird, huh? Um, yeah, 
because this, this no. they are a publisher, yeah. but they're not publishing know, this game. They're uh, they're publishing it with Amazon Games. Oh wow, which is weird. This will be delayed. Then this is like a, a thirty. Thirty. Okay. I, Amazon cannot uh, afford another anything that that makes them look worse. So I think this stays till it is hundred percent ready. MMOs are tough. Um, they pushed uh, New World out the door before it was ready, and that hurt that game incredibly. So once I think Amazon involved, I think they're going to want to be really, really good before it hits the door. I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a 55. Okay. I think it's more than likely that it comes out this year, but I do 100% take your point that. Amazon is not going to want to sell you their reputation as a publisher. Mm, okay. I mean, they've, they've clearly sold their reputation as a developer. Like we know Amazon can't make a game worth a damn, but as a publisher, I think they're going to want to be careful. And mm, you're yeah, that's right. kind of what they, I think too. I think they don't want to yeah. get burned again by some of the same stuff that happened. Builders of Egypt. I don't know if you've heard I have. I thought this came not. out already, but it was just the prologue. It's still in early access. I'm assuming then, right? If it's not fully out. I don't think it's even an early access. Really? Like, I'm pretty sure right it's now. in early access. I don't have to double check. Is it? <laughs> Builders of Egypt. Uh, coming. No, it's not in early access. Um, they... You can join the playtest, uh, but it that is oh, only I gives know. you like so a. Builders of Egypt Prologue. That's the game they released. Yeah. Uh, prologue is out. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I remember playing the prologue. It was pretty much done. I'm surprised. So, so that's interesting. So, was the prologue in early access, and then they're just going to release the full game now, without putting it in early access? I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> that's really weird. Uh, I know they've a... announced like five of these though, right? Like five of these builders games, right? There's got like Builders of Rome yeah. or something. I don't know. I, I, think you, I don't know what they're yeah. doing. <laughs> like, just give me, just like it's put out the peripheral successor to Pharaoh that I've been wanting for so yeah. long. Just put that out there and then, like, you know, in three or four years, make a Rome one uh, or make, I don't know, a, a Singapore one. Builders of Egypt Prologue is in early access since 2020 and that game is free to play. I think it's ready to go or they'd be charging for it. So I'm going to say 75 on this one. I'm going to go with 85 because it was supposed to come out in early 2022. Okay. And they've kept delaying it. So let's, you know, it's got to come out this year, right? Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dokevi. Remember that? <laughs> you know, that thing it exists? I go with tw- four years ago. This is uh, Pearl Abyss, the Black Desert Online folks, right? I think yeah, it this is. Game's never uh, coming out. Yeah, it is a Pearl yeah. of this game. When was it announced? Uh, let's look on Wikipedia. Uh, 2019. Yeah. 2019. That, no, like, I'm giving it a 20% 10, chance. Uh, I remember this 10. game because it was like, all the, the when they announced it, it was like the kids looked really weird and creepy, right? Like. Yeah, it looked like. Like, uh. Yeah. Like featureless, <laughs> like little kid ghosts. Yeah, this thing's never coming out. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're going yeah. with ten or zero. I'm going with. I'll okay. go with twenty. It's been a while. 
I mean, it, it, it looks name, very stupid. I remember what it was, and I was like, oh yeah, this thing. <laughs> I remember like us all watching the trailer, being like, what is this? And then, you know, because Black Desert Online is basically a waifu generator, right? I mean, ninety percent of the people who play yeah. that game play for the character creator. So you take that away. There was no gameplay in that game at all. You, you literally would turn your computer off and have your character walk in place overnight to level skills. So, and that was a, a part of the game. Ah, oh, the ups. The Oblivion yeah, method. Yeah. <laughs> they had this like button you would push that would basically like throttle the game down to the lowest graphical settings. It looked like something from like you know uh, a PS2 era, like actual PS2 era, not what people say PS2. So it turned the graphics all the way down, and you could leave your computer on overnight with your character walking forwards and backwards. Um, I thought that was a really weird way, but uh, yeah, this game's going nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm skeptical that even when it does come out, if it's gonna be yeah. good or not. But it also looks like my exact kind of stupid <laughs> BS. Like this is this is the kind of nonsense I live yeah. for. So yeah, I'm hoping it comes out. Grand Blue yeah. Fantasy. This Relic. one was announced for PS4, right? I, yeah. I knew that one. This was announced yeah, forever. This ago. ain't coming out either. <laughs> They finally put out a second oh, trailer. Oh, really? It looks more or less ready. This is the game that Platinum was working on yeah, until they, they were left. no longer working yeah. on it. And they were like, this was the plan all along. I don't think that was the plan all along. I think, I think they took it away from Platinum because they're like, what the yeah. hell are you doing? Well, this is not I mean, what we asked Platinum's for. had some problems with stuff like that, right? I don't think I'm crazy there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. 50-50 on this one. You yeah, 50-50? I give it a I give it a oh, seventy five. Okay. I think it's coming out this year. I it's been a while, but they seem confident that they're going to hit that twenty twenty three date. Anytime um, you, it looks good. Anytime now. you hit that generational midpoint, though, do you know what I mean? Where like you were announced for the four, but you haven't really come out till the five's already fully in. I feel like there's a lot of stuff you got to do to make that work. You know. I mean, if it looks better on the five, great. Um, it's also coming out for PC, so like if it looks good on those platforms, it's great. And then I guess PS4 owners will be left with the crappier-looking yeah. version of it. But I think they can now that the new consoles are out, they can sell it on PC and PS5 footage, and then you know get people interested that way. But we'll see. Uh, Hollow Knight looks. I think this one comes out next year, but with a pretty significant delay. So I don't know what that would equal to. Like, I think chances of delay are good, but I think it, this is coming out to like every platform on the planet, right? I don't know what platforms it's even been announced uh, for. What was Hollow Knight on? I know it was on... Okay, this one says Linux, Mac, okay, Windows, Switch, 4, Switch 5, PS 1, and Series X and S. That is a lot of asking there. Mac OS... Hey, some know, people use their Macs but to play like, games, but like, when you're like when you want your game to get out the door, right? Like, you don't yeah. make a Mac version. Like, that's <laughs> like not a Linux version. Um, I mean, I could see Linux more than yeah, Mac these sure. days for gaming, especially because like, um, what's uh, the Steam Deck running on? It's basically a, a version so of I Linux. I feel like this hits like this is gonna be one of those things where it's gonna be like Windows, Switch, Five, and Series X, like. When's the release? June. I feel like that's a doable. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they just straight up don't make two of them. 
and then four and Xbox One seems kind of odd too. I don't know. I think it's going to come out with delays. So by the rules of the game, I say like seventy-five percent. I I would normally say that it's going to get delayed for sure out of twenty twenty-three, mm-hmm. but they did show it off at that. Microsoft yeah. press conference where they said everything here is coming out in the next 12 months. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to say that's 85. Why I'm thinking it's going to come out to the Xbox. The Xbox will be like, look, you told us this is coming out. You know, and probably Windows too. And Sony, I'm sure, is saying the same thing. But some of those other systems, and I know like they basically, ha- like the Kickstarter was what got them all these other uh, platforms. And I don't know. I mean, I, I do some market research before I make a game for Mac OS. That's all I'd say. <laughs> hey, five people are going to be really, really happy. <laughs> all right. What's the next one on our list? Uh, Homeworld 3. This was announced a long time ago. I know that. Yeah. Uh, there, It's gone through like five different studios, too. Yeah. Oh, really? This was part. Is Blackbird still THQ, on it? Or? And I know THQ doesn't exist anymore. So, um, let's see. I think Gearbox no, is publishing Gearbox it now. Doesn't give shit about this game. Then this is like. Mm, yeah, it's being published by Gearbox Publishing, which is now Bracer. owned by Embracer yeah. Group. So. This had and, a, this yeah Blackbird had Interactive here with a fundraiser too. So, yeah. Did it? This was one of the last Fig games. Remember Fig? Oh, yeah. Fig still exists. Oh, I thought they shut that place yeah. down. Um, no, it's still going. I just uh, I don't hear people talking yeah, about but it But the anymore. whole idea was that you own a part of the game with Fig. Uh, yeah. So, so it um, the way it works is you can choose between a like traditional crowdfunding investment a la Kickstarter, or you can choose to buy yeah. shares. Don't you think that gets kind of weird when you got Embracer trying to get this game out the door and figure out what the hell that stuff means? Uh, yes. <laughs> I I mean, like, I don't know exactly what the structure is, but effectively it turns, like, how do I put this? It effectively turns, like, the game into its own, they effectively securitize oh, okay. the game. I don't know exactly how the the investment structure works, um, but that's kind of held independently from the uh, from like the the publishing company. Gotcha. So it's like a revenue generating asset for the publisher and for the invest the fig investors. That seems complicated with like through like four different studios now. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't envy yeah, the lawyers yeah. who have to work through this, but also they're probably getting paid huge I bucks. Feel so like this is the kind of thing that they're going to make a ton of money on. So I feel like this gets pushed towards the back of all the other shit Embracer has to deal with. They got a pretty big year this year, so I'm going to give this like thirty yeah. percent that it comes out. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually there. I'm going to say 35. Mm-hmm. It's scheduled for the first half of this oh, year, but it's I don't a think half it makes a year, Then yeah, that's getting delayed. And whenever I hear stuff like that, like you can't even give me a quarter. <laughs> you don't know when that shit's coming. Out. Yeah, like I, I'm looking for a yeah. month. You're not even giving me that. So 
Sure. Uh, let's do the All next right. one. Lies of P. Uh, I've got no idea. This is the first I've heard of it. You'll have to. You have. To, I don't know. I'm throwing a number. The, out the Pinocchio Soulsborn. Oh my God! What? <laughs> You've seen this? It's like Bloodborne, but Pinocchio. Yeah. Has any other non non from Souls game done well? Because I know people the didn't like that future and... one. I know people didn't like Lords of the. No, Fallen. They like the surge. They didn't like Lords of the Fallen, right? But they like the surge. Uh, the one the, Mortal Shell was kind of no. eh in the reception. Nio's the the one that's been received really well. Mm. I feel like Pinocchio just uh... Pinocchio Souls. Yeah, board. no, that's I, thing, I, I don't think I don't think the hype's there. That can wait. A, that could bake a little bit longer. I'm gonna give that a fifty percent. I'm gonna go okay. sixty. I think it comes out this year. Marvel Spider-Man oh, 100%. two. It's got it. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I'm giving it a okay. 90. I think it'll come this out. Is, I, I'm know, pretty confident. Weirdly, this year for Sony feels like last year for Microsoft. I think they've got to get some of this stuff out the door. I think the only thing they really have upcoming this year is Marvel, yeah. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Sure. So if like, that slips... I can't think of anything else in their pipeline. Like, uh, Like... Team Osobi isn't working on anything as far as... I, I mean, they're working on something, I'm sure, but nothing they've announced. Um, then, because they're Western Studios, whatever Ben's working on is probably not ready. Uh, the Last of Us Factions or whatever that is probably not ready. So, yeah, it's got to be Insomniac. Yeah, that, that's why I, I feel like with this being like Microsoft last year, I feel like they got to get something out the door, and I think that's going to be the one. So that one I feel pretty confident on. Metroid Prime uh, 4. I'm going to give you a controversial negative percent i think they're going to reboot metroid prime 4 i think it's going to actually make negative progress this year <laughs> i mean it's already been rebooted it's once you think it's getting rebooted again three years ago right yeah i mean three years is a so it was announced in 2017 got to 2020 and they said nope we're starting it over right yeah, yeah. I mean, I think three years from then is a reasonable time frame for developing a game. Uh, I mean, you would think so, but I mean, what did they have already in 2017 besides just showing it at E3, right? Yeah, that's why I'm... Yeah, so I mean, I don't think it's getting rebooted again. Studios? I think uh, same folks who made the original Metro really? games. Yeah. I'm going with... I agree. I don't think it's going to come out this year. I'm going zero percent. <laughs> uh, but I think it. Time. I don't think it's getting rebooted. I don't think it's getting rebooted. I think it will come out in 2024. Right. I think they'll reveal the gameplay this year. Maybe at E3, it's going to be a huge hype moment, and everyone's going to scream, and everyone's going to be like, Nintendo won E3. Um, I think they're going to announce some kind of like, we went back to the drawing board. And, yeah. That's that's a level of cynicism that I can't attain. <laughs> uh, Mina the Hollower, next game from Yacht Club. Hmm. Currently slated for December 2023. Oh, that's, yeah. Boy, they really shot right up against the end of that year, huh? Um, yeah. You know what? Yeah, this one's coming out. Uh, 70%. Oh, yeah. I'm on the opposite end. I'm saying 20. If it's delayed by a week, you'll be right. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> I'm going to take that bet. Uh, Pal World. It's did you, okay. You, you've probably seen this. Remember oh, that trailer yes. dropped with the. Yeah. This is the kind of shit I have to Google to remember because this stuff is just like, yeah, this isn't for me. It's it's Pokemon, right? But they eat each other. They eat yeah. each other and there are guns. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know when you were like, I mean, you're you're a little older than yeah. me, so you didn't have this experience. But when I was, let's say, eleven years old and. I like Pokemon when I was like seven or eight, but I'm like, I'm growing up. I'm a tween. I think Pokemon should be edgy and have guns and bombs and they should swear. Like, that's what that game is. It's like like the game that 11-year-old Merv would make. I probably aged out of Pokemon by like literally like two years, right? Like I was probably 13 when it came out. And that was like, this was too kidsy for me to get into. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But yeah, I don't know that an edgy Pokemon is something that anybody wants, right? I mean, it probably comes It's something out, that the though. 11-year-old version of me wants. Yeah. Well, does it have a date attached to it, or is it just 2023? Just 2023, I'll give it I think. 60. I'll trust in Pocket pocket Pair. You guys can do this. Don't let me down. I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it 30. <laughs> I, I think it's going to get delayed to 2024. Payday 3. Mm. Um, I would love to know how much Payday 2 DLC is selling for before I answer this question. Because I feel like Payday 2 has been making DLC for 15 years now, and I don't even know why they're making a Payday 3. Um, I don't know. It, that it, That's 505, right? Is that the uh, – or is it Starbreeze? It's Starbreeze. Starbreeze 505 is – what is the publisher of a Payday 3? Uh, let's look this up. Payday 3. I mean, they could... Uh, it's Prime Matter. Prime Matter, I believe, is Tencent's, one of Tencent's publishing divisions. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like they probably have enough, like, leftover content from all the DLCs they crapped out that they could just stick a game out anytime they want. And that game isn't, like, a pow- graphical powerhouse or anything. So, yeah, I think this one can come out. I'll give it 75%. All right. They've got an active... Uh, sorry, no, Prime Matter is not with Tencent. They're Plyon's publishing label. Plyon's owned by Coke Media, which is owned by Embracer Group. So it's yeah, all okay. Embracer all the way up yeah. and down. Um, what is Tencent's premium publishing label? It's something else. It's not Prime Matter. I'll have to look it up. I'll put it in the link dump. Um, all right, what's the next game on our list? Oh, yeah, I didn't give a percentage. I think it comes out this year. I, I give it okay. 80. We're both pretty much on that one. All right. Uh, Perfect Dark Reboot. Oh, man. I know they just Chris, they just stuck Crystal Dynamics on it, right? Yeah. Fuck. Um, it would be kind of sneaky if this came out right at the holiday of 2023, I feel like. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this 75%. Oh, wow. I'm giving this a zero. Like, I've, this, this game has been... Has had a troubled development. Yeah. We haven't seen anything of it. Uh, I don't think it's coming out this. I think the initiative is kind of a mess of yeah. a studio. I don't think this is coming out until 2024. Well, they stuck Crystal Dynamics on it two years ago. So you're thinking they're going to need three years with two studios on yeah. it? Oof. Yeah. I think it's a mess. <laughs> it's just a reboot though, right? I mean, they're pretty much taking the same. It's all there. 
Uh, they're, I mean, it's a new game entirely. It's oh, not it's like they're remaking the first one. Yeah, I think it still comes out. Yeah, yeah not a remake. It's, it's yeah. coming out. This is the one. They're going to sneak it in at the deadline, like right, out, right at holiday. Like December yeah, 31st, you're no, playing as Joanna right Dark again? You're going to go get the perfect Dark reboot. I mean, I would love that. If that happened, I would scream with happiness. What else is the initiative doing, though? Uh, Secret shit? Screwing up office politics. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, Pikmin oh, 4. Oh, man. Uh, this was announced four years ago? I don't know how it was long, a long ago time it was ago. announced. I'm not a Pikmin I'm fan. I don't know. Stuff. This is a long time ago. 2015 was in development. Miyamoto said in 2016 it was still in development at a loader priority. 2017, he reassured your game and said the game was still progressing. I don't think it's progressing. I think Miyamoto is too busy opening yeah, theme just, parks to work on his funky little there's picnic no way this comes out. It's like a 20%. I've given it a 10. I mean, I do think it's in yeah, development. Yeah, sure. I think, but when you have. I think Nintendo sincerely, sincerely wants to put this out, but I'm starting to think this is a Switch 2 game, not yeah, a Switch 1 game. I mean, game. by this point, whew. yeah. I don't even think Nintendo really likes Pikmin as much as the fans like Pikmin, honestly. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I mean, it is a niche franchise. I don't think it's ever sold super duper well, yeah. but I also think it's a good idea for Nintendo to keep having mm -hmm. because, like, where else are you going to get, like, I guess Nintendo's take on an RTS? Yeah, it's, eesh, I don't know. But, I don't know, like, maybe Tinykin has eaten their yeah. lunch. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, it seems like there's plenty of games out there. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm surprised that RTSs never took off more on the Switch because it is kind of the perfect platform for them, like, with the touchscreen. You can take it on the go. I, I don't know why it never took off, but I guess it's not really the platform that RTS aficionados yeah, are exactly. playing Yeah, exactly. It's kind on. of like trying to yeah. square peg around whole, the whole concept of the game. But, you know, and also I think part of what made Pikmin work a lot was the console it was on. You know, Switch I don't think is going to have that, but yeah. That's fair. Uh, Pragmata, yeah. that Capcom game. Capcom, we don't know anything about. Huh. Uh, they got anything else this year? Uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yeah, remakes. Um, now this one... Sometimes i got to look up like when they were announced. That's... Oh, Street oh, Fighter okay. 6. Well, yeah, this of course. Then. Um, this looks goofy. I remember that. Originally released for 2022, but later changed to 2023. Okay, it's only PS5, Series X, and Windows. That makes me... See, like, that's what I'm looking for. That makes me a little more confident, right? Uh, yeah, it's a next-gen game. They're developing for next-gen consoles. They don't have to worry about, like, you know when you have a backpack and you're just trying to yeah. shove everything into yeah. it and you don't want to, like, take a second bag yeah. in hand? They don't have to do that. I think this comes out. I'm going to just, like, 70. I'm going, I'm going 80. I think they'll put it out. I don't know what the game yeah, is. No, they I haven't told they, us. I only said it's, like, a creepy sci-fi, Kojima-esque type thing, so... I remember them announcing it, but it just like I remember the girl wearing like a like a knee length coat. That's why I remembered it. <laughs> That's the yeah. only thing I remember about it. Also, I don't know what this game is. I don't know what you do in it, but I'm intrigued. Okay. Redfall. This one I've got an interesting thinking on. Okay, 
I think this releases in like a half, right? Like, I don't know whether it's like a campaign or a multiplayer, but I think something comes out for this game, right? They've said it's going to have co-op. Is that right? Yes, like a co-op tactical shooter immersive. Sim. I don't really yeah. know what to do with that. Yeah, I feel like something comes out for this. Because I remember there, yeah, I think there's going to be like a single player and like a co-op multiplayer mode. But I don't remember if it's like a versus or like, or if it's like async, like, um, you know, like Left 4 Dead was. I, I bet you they get out the single player this year. And I think they probably aren't ready for the multiplayer yet. I think, I mean, I think that the whole thing is kind of designed around four-player co-op. Like, you probably can go with solo, it's just not designed for it. So, I do agree that it's going to get a lot of post-launch support, including probably putting in content that they cut for the main yeah. release. This is dishonest, but I think right? it's going to be, uh, I not the dis okay. Not exactly the Dishonored team, because the first Dishonored was a collaboration between Arcane Austin and Arcane Dion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the second Dishonored was only Arcane Dion. I believe this is the Arcane. I believe this is the previous oh, okay. Arcane Austin. Well, I mean, same yeah. same thing kind of holds true though for both of them: single player, shootery, campaigns. Right? Not so much with the multiplayer stuff, right? Yeah, but again, it's the. This is meant to be played kind of co-op, like that's what it's being built. Is there as. is there a campaign? I don't think they're going to release. There is a campaign that can be, but I think the idea is that's kind of like you can play it co-op, you can play it single player. Mm, okay. Think of it kind of like grounded. Okay, right? so there, it's a co-op player, not a competitive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing yeah, competitive could, about it. Well, I mean, that's kind of how they broke broke up uh, Master Chief. They're not releasing, you know. Well, they released the online co-op now, but. Um, there's no couch co-op. I could see the single player hitting and then them working on the co-op from there. Okay. I, I don't think they're going to... I think they, they really want this co-op out think the so? door. If, uh, that's probably yeah. a delay if they want the co-op out the door. If they just release the single player, okay. I think... I don't, I'll give it 50-50. You have 50-50? I think they'll get it out. I think they... They said I think they want it out the first half of this year. I don't think it's coming out until the second half of the year. So I think it'll get delayed, but I think it'll come out this year. So I'm giving this an 85. Okay. So yeah, my 50-50 is more that they... I don't think the whole thing comes out, so we'll see. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is they're going to release, like, almost kind of half the game. Mm -hmm. Like, the first half of the game, and then they're going to, like, put out the second half later. I can see that happening. Like, it'll be a free campaign update. Kind of like what... Remember what Star Wars Battlefront yeah, 2 did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People wanted a campaign. I can see that yeah. happening. I can see that. Yeah. She dreams elsewhere. I re only remember this announcement. I can't believe this is out already. This is like an indie Undertale looking thing, right? Yeah. How is this? Not it's like out? a cross between Undertale. You, this was yeah. announced a long time ago, right? Yeah, tiny team developing it. It's like a f only like three or four people, I think. So it's uh. It's like a cross between, I guess, Undertale and Omori. It was announced in 2018. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> longer ago uh, than I thought. Yeesh. It won some kind of award in 2018, so I'm guessing that was... Uh, I mean, it feels like this could come out any time. This looks like a full-ass game from these pictures. What's the delay on it? I have no idea. 
Surreal Adventure RPG for December 2023. Man, they're cutting it up to that last second, huh? Yeah. Um. Fifty-fifty. I don't have a. I'm going forty-five out of this. I have a good feel I either think... way, but I like I'm watching this gameplay video. It's all there. It's not. It's PC only. Yeah, it looks. Looks like they know what they're doing, but my eyeballs who knows? Crazy, but sure, if that's your style. Forty-five percent. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Uh, just because it's in December and it can just get pushed over the edge yeah, pretty easy. Yeah, this could be like one of those things where like the studio falls apart, they just all hate each other or something, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, they've worked together for six years, so, but you never know. <laughs> all right, Stalker 2, Heart of Tornobyl. Oh boy. Um, comes out, I think, but let me see when the release date is. I didn't pick anything with a firm yeah. release date announced. Well, like sometimes if they like, you know what I mean. If they're saying December twenty twenty three, this was just twenty twenty three, huh? Yeah. Um, now, this studio is based in Kiev, right? <laughs> so I think they were. I don't know where they're working from now. Um, this is a Game Pass game, so yeah, this is going to come out this year. Um, you know, like 75. I think, I think this just needs money and I think Microsoft will pay if they need to, to get this out on Xbox for game pass, no matter what. Um, yeah, I think this one, I'm going to give this like, plus like, you know, it's your Ukrainian game dev. If you can get this out in middle war, that'd be kind of like a big, you know, big moment for you. So I'm going to give this like 80%. Oh, wow. I think it'll get delayed. I'm going to really. Delete. All right. That's the first yeah. one we really split on. I think. Uh, we were really split on. Uh, oh Dark yeah, as and, well. And yeah. My negative ten percent one. <laughs> I don't think that's a split so much as yeah, disagree about how numbers work. Yeah, sending it back. I, like probabilities have to lie between zero and yeah. one. Let's be real on how yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. work for <laughs> a second. I, I think like I think if they announce they're gonna send it back into the oven, I think that that's how I win. So Um All right. Starfield. This is an interesting one. Um this is Q one still, I think. Is it Q one? I all I know is that's twenty twenty three. Because I know it got delayed. I think they wanted out earlier in twenty twenty three Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have to drop that 11-11 release date, which they really I, wanted. It's tough. I think it's ready. I mean, they've been showing so many things from it lately, you know, and like long, in-depth type things. And, you know, I think the other thing about Bethesda is they're okay with the community and modders fixing stuff, too. You know, um, I think they would love to shake that, like, we released, you know, bad games. But I also think they wouldn't mind if it wasn't 100%. I think Microsoft, now that they're in charge of Bethesda, mm -hmm. is eager to shake that image off Bethesda. Like, I don't think this game can come in yeah. hot. I mean, especially not if it's if it's being sold as a console-type game. You know what I mean? When I think yeah. the other games are primarily PC, and I think you get a little bit more leeway with that. Um, I don't see a way this could be delayed unless it's just really, really, really not ready, though. You know? Um, I think they push it out of the door at an 80% no matter what. I don't know if it gets delayed, but I still think it comes out next year. I could see it being delayed out of Q1 easy, um, but 
I think it comes out next year. So I'm going to give it like 85. But next year, I mean this year? Yeah, yeah this year. <laughs> I don't think it gets delayed out of this year. I think it might get delayed yeah. out of Q1 or Q2, and they might get that 11-11 back. But uh, I don't I don't see a way this doesn't come out this year. All right, you're giving this an 80. Or did you say 85. 80 or 85? Sorry, 85. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I think this will come out this year. I think, um, yeah, I'll go 85 as well. I think they'll push it. I think it'll come out towards the end of the year. Uh, I don't think it's going to be ready for the first half of the year, but I, I also don't think they can really afford to delay it too much no. longer. I think they want those holiday yeah, sales. So I'm thinking late I November, think early December. Game Pass on the holiday. And I think this is a big, big year for Microsoft. If they can hit on three or four of these for holiday, with the only thing Sony having is Spider-Man, man, that might be a, that might be a jump. Yeah. Um, this one comes out 100%, I think. Yeah, because oh, really? it's got the TV show. I think you can't release the TV show and not the game or it falls apart. Is the is the anime That's slated for this Plus. year? Oh. Okay, yeah. Then I'm going yeah, 95. I, mean, like, I think you, you got to get it out the door, right? Like, if you don't and people watch the show it's probably gonna give away stuff from the game and people are like who cares you know or, or the show is bad and now people don't get the game or vice versa right last time i saw this happen though was um uh what was it that defiance you know oh yeah and yeah and people like the show the show i mean for a, a sci-fi run it had a pretty successful run you know the game was so so and they kind of whitewashed some of the what you do in the game happens in the show that really didn't happen but um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think if you got a show coming out on Disney Plus, the House of Mouse is making sure you're not missing. <laughs> you're not missing shit. That's coming out. Interesting. Because um, the last game, the last uh, Japanese game I think did this was Scarlet mm -hmm. Nexus, where the anime came out around the same time as the video game. Um, and yeah, they, they really had to hit that release date. So... Yeah, if they have, I didn't. I didn't know that there was a like a firm release date announced for the show. So if the show is going to hit Disney Plus, sure. and I just looked it up, uh, Tokyo TV this year, yeah. then yeah, it has yeah, to come out I mean, this year. This was Disney Plus's dipping its toe into anime. I don't know that there's a lot of anime on Disney Plus, and uh, they their big one last year was Summertime mm -hmm. Rendering, and then they had Star Wars Visions the yeah, year yeah, prior. That was star wars star wars but i mean i don't know that they've yeah. got other people making them anime so i mean i could see yeah if you had a deal with disney you don't fuck that up <laughs> yeah out. yeah because then like goofy's gonna show up at your house with a baseball bat and break <laughs> your kneecaps all right what is the next one i have on the list tron identity right. is the movie flop or not the, like the Tron 3 with Jared Leto? Yeah, the Neutron movie. I, I think this comes out before the Neutron movie. Oh, does if it? That... What about the TV? There's, like a, I mean, there's I think... like a movie, a TV series, and then I guess this is the game? Yeah, I don't think this is going to be linked to the, the new movie oh, at all. Oh, really? Okay. What about the TV yeah, series? Yeah, I think it's... There's a TV yeah. series? I haven't kept up with Tron. Yeah, Tron Uprising. Like my only... It's a, uh animated series. 
Oh, I guess it already came out. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. already out. Okay, yeah, okay, that's already out. I thought you were talking about a new series. Neutron. No, nothing? Just this? Just this and the Jared Leto oh, movie. Oh, the Jared Leto movie, that's it. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with the Jared Leto movie. I don't <laughs> want it to have anything to do with the Jared Leto movie. Yeah. Like, why, why can't Jared Leto just stick to singing yeah. his terrible rock songs with 30 Seconds to Mars? Oh, okay. Production starting in August 2023. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, he is, Lord. Yeah. He's a piece of work. Um, yeah, what, it's a visual novel. It'll come out. We have like 80. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going yeah. 90. Visual yeah. novels. I, think I mean, at some point, out. nobody's going to know if you didn't put in, you know, <laughs> a couple of things. You just write around it. Exactly. I mean, and Bethel Games have proven they can make these kinds of games pretty quickly uh with a subsurface circular and quarantine circular both great games so yeah i think they could do it warhammer 40k space marine 2 yeah i don't know i don't i don't have a good feel for saber interactive i don't really know what they do or don't make um let me see yeah they're not they're kind of like one of those like weird like make make a ton of games that you never heard of, but like do like side work on it mostly. Let's see, World War Z yeah. that came out it was pretty good. Um, they did the Nintendo Switch and Stadia versions. Oh, the Evil Dead game that was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I have no frame of reference for this, so I'm just gonna say seventy yeah, percent. I'm just kind of like they're doing a lot of like their whole like slate for 2023 is like reboots and remasters. They've got Kingdom Come oh, Deliverance oh. for the Switch. We got a Descent game. They're putting it out of the yeah. Switch. Yeah. That's weird. Star man. Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake. That's not ever going to come out. A Painkiller title, and then Space Marine Two. Oh, I, I, that is a hundred percent getting canceled. Um, that Coda remake. This feels like the only game they have dead. that's going to come out. So I'm going to give this like seventy-five. <laughs> All the rest of this sounds like something like somebody wrote down in like a fever dream. Hey, let's make Kingdom Come Deliverance for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, get that out. Like, I'm all for porting games to Switch, but... That game was janky on. on, like, a high-end PC. <laughs> Just being honest. Nobody like, wants that on Switch. Nobody's like, I want I want to play a hardcore a medieval sim. simulator with no magic while I lie in bed. Nobody's thinking yeah. that. Nobody has ever had that yeah. thought. This list makes me more sure this is going to come out because all the rest of the stuff doesn't look like it ever will so it's like 75 all right yeah <sighs> i can see that this last one hurts last last one on the list the wolf among i us have two. no idea i re- ad hoc studio is the weirdest concept on the planet to me right like how how does it exist it seems like it'd be illegal right um it seems like everybody who knew what they were doing left to go to other st- studios as well right yeah. Campo Santo. What was the other one? Uh, well, Campo Santo. Was, like half the they, they made that a long right? time ago. Oh, Night School Studio. Oh, Night School had former yeah. Telltale people yeah. in it? Yeah. Uh, Oxen Free 2 is supposed to come out yeah. this year. I have. I think that actually might get delayed again. I have no idea about this one. This Its trailer came out about a year ago. 
Yeah, we haven't seen any real gameplay footage. It's just been like that. And they're releasing it episodically? Okay, so this 100% has at least one episode out by the end of the year. I'll, I'll put it that way. Okay, so you're going with 100, 100% that at least one episode is out by the end of the year. It looks awful. It looks like they really crapped up the art on it. it what are you looking at right now? Yeah, you yeah, post yeah. in the chat. I, I want to see what this looks like because I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at on it too. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a rough looking. It looks like a fan project is how I describe it. Fan project. There's like a, okay. if you go about Let's halfway this to all the end article, you'll see some of it. Like I don't know. It's just it's too clean. Like one of the things about that Wolf Among Us is it really had that comic booky style, you know? Um, a lot of rough textures, a lot of stuff that wasn't filled in or crosshatched instead of colored in type stuff, you know? This just looks too clean. It looks like um, somebody put a filter on a picture to me, you know? They got the full trailer yeah. in there too, so I don't know. I mean, maybe this comes out. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this right now. It does not look really. It looks a bit better in motion. Yeah, probably. I think. But and they've got some of that yeah. grime that's missing from the screenshots. Okay, I can see how this looks good in in motion. I I'm less skeptical <laughs> now. But yeah, you're right. Those screenshots do not flatter the game. They look so generic. It's like, rare like that something generic. looks yeah, better. Like, what, it's so rare that something looks looks better in motion than look than it looks in the screenshots. You should see the other way around. They bullshot the screenshots, and then yeah. the trailer looks like garbage. But it's the other way around. Um, I I got no good feel because you know the other thing is like the legality of this. It doesn't seem like it's legal that <laughs> this is getting made, right? Like, I guess they have the rights. Like, okay, they do. so if they have the rights, yeah, a hundred percent. That one episode is out by the end of the year. I think it's. I think that counts yeah. as release. Yeah. Oh, I don't think this. I, I don't think an episode is coming out this year. I think it's getting delayed again. I'm going thirty. What am I at, like seventy? We got some. Well, we said hundred percent. Hundred percent. At least an episode this year. Yeah. I'm at thirty. <laughs> I don't. I think it's getting delayed again. But I'm pessimistic as hell. Man, now yeah, we've got some good good differences to figure out at the end of uh, the year that's for sure <laughs> i mean i i'm a very pessimistic person by nature i don't think anything's gonna I come out well year, weirdly this is a decent year to delay stuff if you're most of these studios right like i feel like there's not the stuff that you don't want to push too much into next year to see you know what i mean like some kind of big war for whatever but yeah i don't know i kind of feel like um like this is a year where if you're going to delay something do it yeah, I think there's a lot of, especially AA games kind of scheduled for this year. We have that big AA pileup yeah. in February with Wanted Dead, Atomic Heart. I don't know if Atomic Heart would you consider that AAA, but like, not like the big games. So, so you got Wanted kind of Dead, weird... Atomic Heart, uh, what's it called? Scars Above. It's, yeah, it's like Microsoft ahead. and Sony have are so thin sometimes, like, you know, every now and then. They're so thin sometimes that they have to make double A or you know double A or even lower feel like triple A, right? Like even if it's not truly a triple A type game, it, it doesn't matter. They've got to get the game out, right? It's kind of weird. Like yeah, you you've got to hype a game that probably normally you're just like okay, here comes you know 
just a game to play. Here comes yeah, Pentiment. Exactly. <laughs> now it's like, no, go, go out there and sell Pentiment. <laughs> no, no, you can't, you can't sell Pentiment, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I get the feeling like that they've kind of had to do that based on the release schedule a little bit more than the actual games themselves. I, th- I mean, I just think Sony doesn't have that yeah. double A, at least first party. They just, it's not a thing they do yeah. anymore. And, and it's, which I, I think that works to their I think, disadvantage. I think you're right. And I think when Xbox is doubled and tripled into it, sometimes I, I think that's a, that is a disadvantage. I don't think there's any way around it when you don't have, if everything is on the two or three big, big, big name studios doing something every two or three years, I mean, just math wise, it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have, years where nothing comes out so um i mean that being said microsoft strategy has not yeah, yet borne right. fruit and i'm because like they just have not had those triple a prestige games which i mean like i gotta like say for my own preferences i don't care for microsoft yeah. to put those out i'd rather they focus on double a but i'm also speaking just for my sure. own preferences sony strategy has been immensely successful and i'm kind far. of the same way i wonder if my my big question is if it if ps5 didn't jump to the gigantic lead that they did right um what would this gen look like if if kind of the the console launches all went pretty much the same you know um, and we were just looking at who's selling what versus who. We didn't have all those shortages. We didn't have that all their stuff. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn. I think they've got a better strategy long term, 100. percent I don't think anybody would argue with that. But it's not bearing out yet. But how patient are they going to be? You know what I mean? No clue. I mean. To, to borrow an expression from economics, in the long run, yeah. they're all dead. Uh, so, like, it, it's at some point they have to put something out. Like, they have to. Phil Spencer has to prove that he can shepherd a gaming division that puts out big core titles at a regular cadence. I don't think it needs to be more than a couple of those titles a year, but they need to come yeah. out. And. Like Starfield needs to come out this year. I don't. I'm not sure it will, but it needs yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's that's kind of where this strategy for both Microsoft and Sony hits kind of a weird spot. Is like some of these games just have to come out. They, like you have to get out of the door. There's no more time to bake it. They have to. Yeah, like Marvel yeah. Spider-Man Two has to come yeah. out this year. I like it. I'm not sure I necessarily want it to come out this year, but it yep. has to. And that's like, like, uh, yeah, there are always going to be deadlines uh, imposed by publishers or whoever's f- fronting you the money. I get that games have to come out on deadlines, but when you're also engaged in this level of competition with another platform right. holder, once the narrative becomes these, this console isn't putting out games regardless of what the third-party support looks like, and that third-party support might be fantastic, once that narrative solidifies and games media folks start pushing it, like it starts to take on a life of its own. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's so weird to have this problem when it felt like two years ago, three years ago, we had the opposite problem before COVID. It was like, everybody's coming out with 50 things. I only want to play five of them. <laughs> now it's like, everybody's coming out with five things. I only want to play one of them. It's, it's weird, right? I, yeah, and again, like, 
from my perspective, that's still just a media narrative. Like I've made a list of a hundred yeah. games that I want to play this year, and maybe, I'm maybe not going to end up playing play, most of them. Want to get hyped about? You know, like the hype is like the game. That's why it feels like these things just kind of come out of you know from under the radar. It's like yeah. We didn't have a chance to be hyped about it because there was no media side because nobody knew if it was going to be any good, right? Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I don't necessarily think that hype is necessary for me to get to like enjoy a game mm-hmm. in the end. But there's definitely kind of something, I guess, from the, that's missing from the culture or the mm-hmm. zeitgeist uh, when like there's no kind of collective excitement for something. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and you got no E3 really to push it. You got it's it's just been a weird couple of years. Um, I don't know. I really, 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 really would like to just see somebody announce and just say, look, here's like not even a not even a one year strategy like Microsoft did where everything is coming out by next year, right? I would like to somebody say, here's what the next three or four years look like. But I don't think they would ever do that because they don't want to lock in either. It's it's really weird. Um, it's dangerous yeah. to lock in that much. Things get delayed all the that time. Reminds. There's no one who will say who will commit to that much right, upfront. Yeah. Not a single company in the world. But if you're really curious to see like what's coming down the pipe, that's the way to do it. But nobody's going to do it. So you're just kind of, you know, it's get hyped quick. <laughs> then see you later, right? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, companies used yeah. to do that. They've shifted more towards this like short announcement cycle, this short publicity cycle. I think it's kind of worked for the best because then we don't have the time to construct a game in yeah. our heads and then be disappointed when the game that's released doesn't match the that's game really in our heads. True. That's really true. Like, like, look at what happened with No Man's Sky. That game, I mean, now it matches the game in people's heads, but that's several years after it came out and was terrible at yeah. release. Right? And most games don't get the chance to become that game most games they get like a couple of patches if you're lucky and then it's sayonara while the devs move on to the next project yeah it's especially tough for shooters the the lifespan for a shooter now is i mean it's down to months it used to be you'd get a year or so to get it right but not anymore i mean that thing ain't ready out the gate nobody's coming back to it you know yeah, like look what happened to Halo yeah. Infinite. It yeah. was so well received and warmly received. I mean, at it's, lunch. it's a dead yeah. game now. Um, I mean, lots of these shooters, and I mean, you know, what's weird is even Call of Duty is self is doing it to themselves, right? Oh yeah, they yeah. cannibalize themselves all yeah. the time, and like, I don't know how you make that balance between cannibalizing yourself versus like getting people to shell out that. Uh, eighty or ninety dollars Canadian every year to buy the yeah. game. Like, yeah, and, and they are, know they know the trick. They're they're onto you. You know. I mean, they know you're gonna. Sh- they know someone's gonna shell out. Uh, are they gonna get enough people shelling out every year? I mean, it's been working yeah. out so far, but I mean, you know, inflation changes everything, though. I mean, just look at all these little markets that used to. You know what I mean? This was the the big future, and money starts getting tight, and I mean. You're choosing between eggs and Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, think about the fact that I was saying 80 or 90, right? It used to be that games were $80 Canadian. Now we see Forspoken trying to charge me 93.50 to play it. I'm like, I'm not charged. I'm not going to pay $100 after yeah. tax to play your oh, freaking video Canadian. game, man. Like, 
right now is tough. Uh, you guys and Australians are really feeling it. I'll tell you that. When I'm seeing some of the prices. I mean, the thing is, though, like here's here's the the, the part that really gets me. Average inflation has been lower in Canada mm-hmm. than the states, but Canada is the the country that's getting the yeah. price hikes. Like that to me is yeah. that to me is yeah. bizarre. It's price gouging. Like and like if you even look at exchange rates, seventy bucks is should not be ninety three fifty Canadian. Like it should be just above nine. So, I guess there's not not expecting a big hype sales for uh, any type of uh, new games coming out that we were talking about earlier. Like uh, this, like now you wonder why I play indies yeah. all the time. It's because it's way cheaper. Yeah, um, why am I borrowing games from the library? No, I mean, now? It makes sense. I mean, it's it's just so hard when you start to see like the the prices go up and up and up and up and up, and then it doesn't really make sense that um, you know it doesn't it doesn't make sense to go in line with inflation, and people are having to choose between things all the time. And if if you're making your games more expensive, I'm not spending. Man, I don't even know what I would spend on Forspoken, but it ain't a hundred bucks. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, that game's gonna be twenty bucks in six months. You gotta, you have to experience it right now. No, right? No, I'm gonna wait until they patch it so that it runs Ugh. properly off a hard, like a regular ass hard drive. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't need an NVMe SSD yeah. to play a video game right now. I don't know. Like you're telling, like I, I, I have a like a standard SATA SSD, which is like way faster than typical plate based hard drive right but apparently that's not good enough for forespoken oh, man i was looking at um like they're, they're selling like a collector's edition of forespoken in australia it's cost let me see if i can find this it costs 153 dollars oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> that's a lot of money why would you buy like who's buying a collector's edition for an unproven I, franchise. I don't know. And it's a mini art book digital download, mini soundtrack digital download, and the prequel story DLC that I'm guessing you can probably buy separate. And it's not going to be 60 bucks, right? I, Yeah, so wait. Do they have like – does it yeah, come with any – is this just digital deluxe or does it yeah, come with any like physical goodies? I don't see anything physical in this it says a deluxe edition is available for 94.99 us 89 pounds or 152 australia it includes the pre-order content and additional content including a mini digital mini art book and mini soundtrack and a rare resource kit which i'm guessing is some in-game bullshit right like it's i would not like you know i used to live yeah. in the states i would not pay 95 dollars for all of that art books are like unless you're like i love art books but like give me a physical art book that'll show up for that if you're just charging me 30 bucks for a pdf get bent art style that i'm all into like i think the last art book i bought was darksiders and i would have bought that if it was just a comic you know um but yeah i I want the art style to be there before i haven't seen anything for for spoken that's like oh wow i can't wait to remember all these iconic moments with cuff Like phrase iconic yeah, sneakers. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe they should sell those. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want this game to flop, but I can definitely see Square being like, well, this this didn't meet our sales expectations. And everybody's like, yeah, no shit. Look what you were selling it for. And Gary Whitta wrote this. And I like him a lot. I'm sure the writing's okay, you know, but like. Yeah. 
what are you guys doing, man? It's, they're selling this for so much money. It's, ugh, you know. Anyway. That's what games are going to cost these days. And it's. I think it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. Um, but I, I, this is the reality we live in. If your test case was for a $100 game, would, you, would this be your one? Or would you wait for, like, Spider-Man? I mean, neither. <laughs> but that's... But that's my own preferences, yeah. right? So if you're if you're telling that's me, kind of okay, if Nintendo were to come out tomorrow and say Astral Chain Two is our hundred dollar game, and Merv, we know you're an incorrigible weeaboo who's got <laughs> who's like gonna feed at this trough like a dirty yeah. little pig, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a dirty little pig. Give me that right now, hundred bucks down. I'm gonna eat that milk and bread. Like that's that what I so want. Funny if they were like, look, one game a year is gonna be a hundred dollars. You've got to guess which one it's gonna be. Is it one you like? Maybe. Is it one you don't like? Who knows? You're gonna find out, right? I think that'd be hilarious to do, honestly. Like, like just like spin the yeah, roulette exactly. wheel of whichever game it, it lands on. It's like that's the expensive game this year. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sorry if you're uh, like a Starfield fan. It's a hundred bucks this time around. That would be uh, so. Funny, but like that, that, that game. game's gonna be. Yeah, but yeah, I can see that. See, Starfield would be one that would make sense, you know, but if they were like Redfall's the $100 game, people are like, oh, gross, no thanks. I'm not going to take a chance, you know? And that's basically what they're doing with this game, with Forspoken, right? Like, it's a brand new IP and the price is ridiculous, you know? So I guess we'll see what happens. You really got to ease people yeah. into it. You really got to be like... And the demo being as bad as it was, if anything, hurt it, you know? Yeah, people could not stop memeing about how much the stupid cup yeah. talk. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't want to... How do I put this? I think some we've gone like over, kind of overcorrected mm-hmm. in, in how negatively we tend to receive, I guess, quippy things. You can think of it kind of like a backlash against the weedonization of our genre pop culture i totally get there you need to be a backlash um and like joss whedon is not a good person so like i kind of get where that's coming from uh but at the same time like the the mere fact that someone is quipping is not necessarily a bad thing it's just like it's the degree of it it's the excessiveness it's the like corniness of what they're saying that i think people are responding negatively to so I don't know, maybe in the actual game, once you get further into it, you're like, yeah, this is dope. I really like chatting with my cuff. But what they've shown off so far does not seem like something that would appeal to me. That's a very fine line to walk between like annoying and cool when it comes to a game companion that talks to you all the time, right? Like, And I think even like from a lot of people who played ragnarok even said like the head eventually crosses that line right you're eventually like all right shut up i can figure out this puzzle i don't need you for this right um so i mean i think even the best games have trouble balancing that zeldas have had trouble doing that too right oh like fear or whatever so i i think that's a that's a tough spot to be in where you're sitting there if anything i think zelda's kind of overcorrected from that breath of the wild doesn't explain jack to you it's just like Hey, you go figure yeah. it out. You die too bad. You're gonna die again and again and again. 
I'm like, I don't know why I had to Dark Souls this up, but okay, I guess this is what we're doing in Zelda yeah. now. That's so surprising, though, because, I mean, like, I would, if, I mean, I'm not a game developer or anything, but I would steer so far away from any kind of helper that's constantly talking to you. I just feel like it just, the odds of screwing it up are too high, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. I don't want to be sitting, I don't, I don't want to be sitting there, like, listening to that. And especially someone who enjoys yes. puzzles, I don't want someone like screaming the solution yeah. into my ear because it makes me feel stupid. Yeah. It's like, why did you figure this out yet? I'm like, I don't know because I'm eating a sandwich while I'm playing a game. Yeah, Shut I'm up. In 15 minutes, you're on 45. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could feel, I think you get away with that in, like a comedy yeah. game, right? Like, wow, you're so stupid, player. How, how, why are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, practically like, I don't want to go down that road, but you know where I'm yeah. going with this. Like, it's 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 a tough balance to strike. I understand why they put in that helper stuff in there. I'm sure their player metrics show that this stuff really works. But also, stop insulting my intelligence. Yeah, yeah. like I can figure yeah. this out. It, Let it, me figure it out. It's very rare that like. How are you going to write that? You either tell me the answer or you, you make fun of me for not figuring out the answer. That's not fun. You know, that's like I'm sitting here trying to figure it out, you know? I I really appreciate optional hint systems that let you uh, kind of dole out the hints at your own pace. Like Return to Monkey Island did that last year. I, I didn't play the game, but everyone praises that mm-hmm. game's hint system. Because it goes from like giving you a tiny little nudge to practically giving you the answer, and it goes in like gradations. I, if any game could, if every game could kind of add that kind of hint system in, I think that would be do wonders for both player enjoyment and accessibility. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's true. And you walk a line, and it works or it doesn't. But if this is a very first you know game out for you and nobody has experienced this before. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, this, I would be really upset if I was square that this was the one. I don't know. Unless it was square. I don't know who decided this was the hundred dollar game. Was it square or was it Sony? Probably. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to guess square mm. because it's also coming to oh, PC. Okay. What's it on PC? hundred still? It's still nine. Like it's nine three fifty for a oh, digital download. Man. <laughs> that's why I'm, that's why I'm annoyed. What? Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to go pay... Like, let, let me make sure yeah. I'm, I'm making this price up. Uh, so let me search. For Spoken Epic Game Store. Uh, yeah, 70 bucks on Steam. So it's 93.49 Canadian. Yeah, I don't I right. understand. And after we talked about the specs... So once you add... Like once you add HS three HST, so that's what's ninety three forty nine times one point one three, it's gonna be a hundred and five dollars and sixty four cents with tax. Oh man. I'm not no, paying no. that much for a <laughs> video shouldn't. game. I have so many other video games in my backlog. Yeah, that that's you know, that's that if you wait for a sale, that's probably like five or six games you actually wanna play. Not just taking a chance on whether you will or won't like it, you know? Like, I don't need to buy more games. I have so many ah. games. If you like, we all have such big backlogs. Yeah. Epic gives us a new game for free every week. 
like you can't be you can't compete with yeah. free at these prices. And they're not giving away bad games either. They're giving away games I want to play all the time. You know, it's it's really interesting. It's I I don't know where this goes right, and I, I think nobody really does. I think that the the problem is going to be some studio is going to be the one that says, well, we couldn't sell our game for what you told us to sell it for, basically, right? Like. I think that's going to be yeah. this game because, like, well, this have it has a lot of reasons. I think. I mean, at least not PC. Those yeah. specs are out of control. Like, that's yeah. Yeah, I don't think this game is going to be well optimized. But like, even from like, say, even just as a PlayStation game, I think you can hit that seventy dollar mark, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna annoy people that much. But like up here in Canada, once you cross that three digit mark, you've lost people. Yeah, yeah. Like you were gonna lose people when they see that, like when they do the math in their heads, they're like, "This is gonna be over a hundred dollars with tax." You get those, you get that extra digit in there. That's gonna have a psychological effect where people are like, "This is too much." Ten bucks is gonna matter. It will matter. It's the kind of thing where I'll take a chance on a fifty dollar game. I won't take a chance on a seventy dollar game. You know, it just I just won't. Absolutely, I'll wait for a sale. I'll wait for a sale nine times out of ten unless it's. You know, I, you've got other games that are the same that I know that I'm going to like it. It's, yeah, this is going to be interesting. Like, I'll say this. I am curious about Forspoken, yeah. but I am $25 yeah. curious, <laughs> not 9 through 50 curious. Six months, you'll get it for that price, too. <laughs> yeah, like, get it with an Epic Games coupon for 50% off, plus they'll throw on some other percentage, or it'll be selling for cheap on Green yeah. Man or something. Yeah. yeah, sure, I'll pick it up then. I'll have a good laugh at Frey going like, whoa, my cuff is talking to me. Like, you know, I'll have have a good laugh. It'll be good. It'll be like a room. (laughs) Hey, cuff, what's up? You're tearing me apart, cuff. (laughs) All right. I think that's a good discussion Yeah, we've got a lot of predictions to add up when it comes to – you know, over the next year or so. So I'll note all the numbers down. And I think the way this is going to work is you get, I'll I'll figure out the math on this, but effectively, I want to see the numbers broken down, see how exactly right I was. (laughs) You were 14% right on this one. The way I think this is going to work is if it, um, like, let's say you get 100 points if you say something's going to yeah. come out and you said it comes out with 100% yeah. probability. You get 60 points if it comes out and you said with 60% and chance. you get 40 if it doesn't come out and you said there was a 60. You get f- I like that. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly yeah, the way I'm, I'm thinking this. about it. I'm going to get so much um, blame from everyone. If if you're like a a decision theory yeah. nerd, you're gonna you're gonna realize that that's not incentive compatible, and that I should be paying you in quadratic points. I say screw <laughs> that. I don't care about that math. I'm gonna like link an academic paper about quadratic scoring rules in uh, in the link dump, and then so make, make people sure. are gonna go read that yeah. math. <laughs> I'd be like, you're a freaking nerd. <laughs> Anybody who goes and reads this link is a freaking nerd. 
I mean, I'm like, I'm insulting myself. Know who, who like the real fans are stuck to the end? They're gonna know about the quadratic paper. Like real weird thing at the end there. <laughs> yeah, quadratic scoring rules. Wow, decision theory is so yeah. fascinating. I don't know why I didn't think of this all along. But yeah, that's how I'm gonna tally it up. You get one minus the answer if you were wrong, uh, for a hundred minus the answer if you were wrong. You get your answer if you were. <laughs> I think that's. I fair. love it. All right. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on our website at avocadogamescast.wordpress.com. On that website, we post each episode along with a link dump that fact checks some of the stuff we say and fact checks some of the stuff we didn't say. It just does fact checks all around, fact checks for everyone, Oprah style. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and or Spotify. Do all three. It makes us happy. It makes the numbers go up. All you got to do is search for Avocado Gamescast. There's no other podcast called Avocado Gamescast because why would anyone else yeah. do that? What are you doing out there? And make sure you check out the community that spawned this podcast, The Avocado, at the-avocado.org. It's a wonderful community of people talking about pop culture, video games and movies and TV and musicals and all sorts of other fun stuff. This is a great one. All right. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun with this. So... We will see you folks next time. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Don't buy Forspoken for 9350. <laughs>